Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken. I'm joining me in studio, as always, he is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And also joining us in studio, Senior Sports Editor, your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. What is going on, everybody? What is going on? How's everybody's week? Pretty good, actually. Right on, right on. Obviously, we're going to be talking a little bit of sports here on the show, so definitely we want you to interact with us as you are listening to wherever you are. Join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our links at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Join in on Facebook. Join in on Twitter. Join in on Instagram. Join in on Podchaser. Drop a five-star review while you're there, and always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. And if we're talking sports, you know we are kicking off recapping the week that was in the NFL Week 6 and breaking down our picks of the week, our locks and leaps. So, Pad, kick us off. Yeah, so I'm going to start with my lock. I chose the Baltimore Ravens to beat the Philadelphia Eagles, which at the time was uh, 7.5 point uh, favorites by Baltimore. And, you know, this sh- shouldn't have been as close as it was because for at one point I know Baltimore, Baltimore was blowing Philly out, but then Philly screwed around and made it a game made a game out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, final score ended up being 30-28 to 28 with uh, Baltimore winning. Lamar Jackson, 16-27 of 27 for 186 yards passing. One touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, and then... Carson Wentz, 21 of 40 for 213 yards passing, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Should note uh, Lamar Jackson, nine carries for 108 yards, uh, one touchdown. Coach, your thoughts? I thought that Baltimore should have had this in the bag. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. And they should have covered. And they should have yeah. dominated. And yeah. Philly somehow, some way, got back in this game. Yeah. And if I'm a Baltimore fan, it's what we've been talking about. Yeah. Against the bad teams, mm-hmm. you dominate. Yep. And then against the good teams, you don't. And that's another case of this. Um, and the the two-point play at the end. Yeah. Yeah. What, I mean, what was that? Like, just even the announcers were like, you got to get him outside the pocket. You know, you got to get Carson Wentz running to a side. You know, he does better with an option run. I mean, something. You know, mm-hmm. like, to literally see that the box was, there was nobody past the goal line. Mm-hmm. They were all the Baltimore players were literally lined up in the box. Yeah. You I mean, count heads. You know, I mean, there's two unblocked. You know, that's what quarterbacks are supposed to do. Oh, I see that, you know, there's going to be two unblocked defensive players. I need to audible out and get a better protection. You know, to run a read option, it's like that was dumb. It should have been, a, you know, an RPO, like an actual run play, you know, a run pass option instead of just a straight run option. And, you know, I mean, obviously that cost Philly the game because they could have potentially won it and and – been sitting first place comfortably in the NFC uh, NFC East. Pad? You know, this game was just absolutely wild because I know, when, Ken, when we were out watching the game, uh, one of the TVs at the establishment we were at had the game on. So I, I was kind of paying kind of attention to it, not, you know, entirely focused, but I was keeping my eye on it. And when we left, it was like, it was like they were up by like two scores or something like that. And I'm like, all right, yeah, this game's over. So then I go, I go home and I'm checking fantasy just to see how things are going. And I'm looking at my one, the one fantasy matchup I had where my opponent had uh, Sanders, the Philly running back. 
and he was still, and I'm like, because I figured by that point the game should be over and what what have because this was well after 4:30 or, or something like that. And I get and I get home and I check fantasy. I'm like, why the hell is Miles Sanders still listed as playing? Like, mm-hmm. what the hell's going on here? And then I see the score and I'm like, what the shit just happened? It's all of a sudden a two point game, you know? Because you look at the box score, halftime it was 17 to nothing Baltimore, and then Philly put up six points in the third quarter to Baltimore's seven. And then Baltimore only put up six points in the fourth to Philly's 22. Yeah, this was a little bit puzzling. Other than Baltimore took Philly too lightly in the second half. Mm -hmm. Because if you let a bad team hang around, you might get that proverbial upset. Philly almost did it, and Philly is not a good team this year. I'm no, sorry. No, I mean, you look at their record. They're currently 1-4-1. Their lone win is uh, in week four against the San Francisco 49ers, which at that point, I don't remember if that was when everybody was out injured or yeah, not. Yeah, that's when everybody started getting banged up. You know, but they've lost to the to the Washington. They've lost to the Rams. They've lost. They tied Cincinnati, and then they lost to Pittsburgh and now Baltimore. This is not a good team. This is, a, this is the type of game that you should have been up by, like, three, four scores by the third quarter and had backups in at the start of the fourth facts i mean to me the biggest thing of this is you know philly in the second half was able to make uh baltimore into third and long you know second and long situations where it was basically forcing lamar jackson to uh you know throw the ball and be accurate and i mean i i am for lamar jackson like i think he's going he's a good quarterback and i think he can be a great quarterback but for Baltimore to take it to the next level, they have to be able to throw the ball and throw it consistently. Yeah, and that is not happening right now. I mean, if I'm if I'm Philly, it's not much of a moral victory, but it's a kind of a moral victory because let's hey, let's face it, you hung in there and came back against one of the most, if not the most, dynamic offenses in the NFL the last couple of years. Mm. And if I'm Baltimore, I'm not hitting the panic button, but I'm a little nervous because, like you said, it's one thing to lose against a team like Kansas City because that's a team that, let's face it, that right now they're your kryptonite. Yeah, They're the team you just can't seem to be for whatever reason. But you look at the divisions, yeah, Philly's in second place, but the NFC East is fucking trash. Well, I'm not even just that, but let's just think about the, fa- the games that they've lost. Tennessee stopped their run and forced Lamar Jackson to throw. Yeah. Kansas City. Baltimore was running down their throat until Kansas City got up, and then mm-hmm. Baltimore was forced to throw. Mm-hmm. I I don't want, and it's such an easy thing to hang on, but it's facts. I mean, it's right in front of you. I mean, he had like Lamar Jackson has to be able to throw the ball, and they have to be able to to pass because yeah. when you are in close or tight games or down, you have to throw the ball in order to do it. And Baltimore just they don't do it with consistency. No. No, they definitely don't, and that's going to be something that's going to really hurt him in the long run because Lamar Jackson, as great as he is, has to learn to throw, has to really implement a passing game to complement his running game because, as we've seen, if you can stop Baltimore's run offense, you have really shut them down completely. Yeah, and you can say that, oh, just look at the game against Kansas City. That's the way to shut Lamar Jackson down, which, yeah, that's true to a certain extent, but I don't think a lot of teams have the same type of talent on defense that Kansas City necessarily has. Mm-hmm. But you can uh, you can definitely look at the Philly game and go, yeah, you know what? If we don't have necessarily have the talent of Kansas City, we can look at what Philly did. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that, yeah, it's just, to me, it's very, very frustrating because you want baltimore to take the next step but i mean just look at the the buffalo game you mm-hmm. know that's a really good example of you know allen was forced to be only you know they couldn't run the ball and they were forcing him to be a thrower and he 
couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, these quarterbacks that and I mean, it's different for the Mahomes because right. Mahomes can sling it. You yeah. know, Aaron Rodgers can throw it. You know, all these mobile quarterbacks that are, you know, quote unquote the guys that, you know, scramble and can extend plays. They're pocket passers first. Right. You know, they don't want to have to run yet. Sure. Um, and you saw it with the Arizona game if you watched any of that against Dallas. Kyler Murray, when he stays in the pocket, is very effective. Yeah. Now, when he gets out of it, you know, that's another that's another story. But it's pass first, mm-hmm. run second. And that's what Baltimore needs to turn Lamar Jackson into if they want to take it to the next level. They're definitely going to have to. And, obviously, they got some time to work. But yeah. where they need to be if they're going to be making a deep run in the playoffs is they have to establish more of a balanced offense. And if you can really focus on that for Baltimore – you have a definite chance of getting to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I think they can hang with the top echelon of the AFC, so don't get it wrong. They can definitely hang with the Kansas Cities and the Tennessees, but if they want to get over the proverbial hump, they need to do it, and especially against a bad team like this, yeah. it is a little t- it's a little troubling, I would say. Yeah, and they, they're going to have some time to work on it. They are off this coming week, uh, but following that, they, go, they have games against Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, New England, Tennessee, and Pittsburgh. So definitely some opportunities to grow, and they're going to be really tested as the season's progressing. Mm -hmm. So going to your leap now, Pat. Yeah, so uh, my leap was for the Chicago Bears to defeat the Carolina Panthers, which they ended up doing uh, by the final score of 23-16. to Nick Foles, 23 of 39 for 198 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. And then uh, Teddy Bridgewater, 16 of 29 for 216 yards passing, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Coach, are the Bears for real? (sighs) It's hard to say. I mean, it's just there. You're sitting at, you're looking at a five and one record, and you want to believe that it is. But you know, really, this was the first, I guess you can say, good team that they've beaten. You mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. it wasn't any game that they won. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater threw that terrible interception, yeah, yeah, and really gave them the game because I mean, they were driving all day. So it's not like Carolina wasn't in this in the in the late stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if I'm if I'm Chicago and I'm a Chicago fan, I'm feeling pretty optimistic. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I wouldn't want to crown us the NFC North champs yet, but I'm sitting pretty happy right now. And if I'm Carolina, I mean, again, this is uh, you know, a whole new uh, a whole new thing for you. I mean, Matt Rule, you know, coming in, uh, Baylor, obviously looking like a pretty solid head coach, which I mean, I didn't expect, you know, especially coming from a Big Twelve program where. Defense is second. You know, this team plays right. pretty good defense, even for losing Coakley, which mm-hmm. is impressive. And they've been without McCaffrey. So that's even more impressive that offensively they're still able to put up numbers. I mean, obviously, Chicago's defense is pretty goddamn good. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, putting more than 16 is going to be tough. But, I mean, if I'm Carolina, I definitely – if I'm a team that's seeing Carolina in the later parts of the season and I'm looking at a playoff push, I don't want to see them on my schedule. Pat? You know, it, it's definitely a good win for Chicago just because you look at their record. Like Coach said, 5-1. and one, They beat Detroit. They beat the Giants. They beat Atlanta. Lost to Indianapolis. And then beat Tampa Bay and Carolina, which, okay, yeah, Tampa Bay is a good team. That was a fluke that, you know, old man Tom forgot what down it was and, and screwed, screwed the pooch on that one. Mm. So it, it's definitely a good win for them. You'll have to be interesting to see going forward where they go because they got a, a couple of rough tests here. Uh, coming up next week, they play the Rams. After that, they play New Orleans, Tennessee, and Minnesota before their bye week in week 11 but it's definitely a good win uh for chicago and you know Foles is looking pretty good Foles is surprising i will say this i didn't think that he'd be able to sustain any kind of momentum going forward mm-hmm. 
But he has definitely stepped up to the challenge. Obviously, he's been better than Maserati Mitch by a long shot. And to see that they took care of business against a Carolina team that, let's face it, is in that rebuilding phase. Yeah. They're without McCaffrey, who is obviously the heart and soul of their offense. Right. Bridgewater is a good quarterback, but he has good games and he has very, very bad games. He's the the bridge to their next uh, franchise quarterback. Oh, absolutely. So to see him struggle here definitely hurt Carolina because they will scrap, and I think that's just something the coach touched upon as well. If you're going to see them later in the year – they're going to be playing spoiler because their mm-hmm. record is a lot more deceptive than their actual ability. So for any team that's going to be facing them, they'll have a little bit of a challenge on them. And for Matt Rule's job this season, I, I'm actually impressed, I will say. I was very skeptical when he came out of, um, from Baylor. Yeah, but I mean, I obviously was one of the candidates for the Giants job, mm-hmm. and I was very, you know, loudly spoken about not wanting him to get the head coaching job because, right. I mean, the uh, Big 12 team. And, I mean, obviously uh, what's facing Arizona, you know, has kind of proved that you can, you know, uh, be a spread offensive guy and come into the NFL and accept the fact that you need to be able to have your quarterback go under center and actually run, you know, football plays. And, you know, Carolina's doing that here. I mean, as far as the, the quote-unquote bridge, you know, I definitely think that they'll retain Bridgewater for one more year and, you know, have it be, um, you know, a mentor, mentoree mm-hmm. situation because um, Bridgewater's played himself into a job. Yeah, I he, mean, from his time in New Orleans where he carried that team while Drew Brees was hurt for the three or four weeks to now, um, I mean, he's definitely earned his key. Yeah, no, he's definitely earned his key. I mean, you're just looking at the depth chart on the Panthers' website. Uh, they've got two gentlemen listed as their second-string quarterback, one being Will Greer, uh, who's got two years' experience out of West Virginia. And then also their backup is uh, one-year experience out of Temple and in P.J. Walker. So it's kind of like the, okay, you've got experience. We, we You know, you proved yourself last year when you stepped in for Drew Brees in New Orleans. But I don't see, you, I don't see him being the franchise guy down the road. Well, it's a matter of did the system make the quarterback, their quarterback make the system. Uh So you have to remember that with Bridgewater. But when he plays well, the team is very moving forward, very progressive in what they're trying to do. When he's bad, they are absolutely a nightmare on offense. Mm -hmm. And this was the game that he definitely struggled in. Take nothing away from Chicago's defense. They have been the real story of why the Bears have been so good. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been the offense by a long shot. But for Chicago to maintain this, they're going to be tested. New Orleans and Tennessee, like you said, are coming up after the bye week, I believe, Pat. Yep. So that being said, that's going to be the true test to see where Chicago is. Are they real or are they fake? I don't know. I am still on the fence about this, but Nick Folds is surprising me. Yeah. I will give him that. I didn't think that they'd be playing this well and this late in the season, but to see that they're able to do this, is a true testament to what they they're really turning everything around in Chicago. Who knew Bench and Maserati Mitch would be the step in the right direction for him to give him some new life? Mm-hmm. But here we are, and like like you touched upon too, they have a very tough stretch run coming, and with the Rams now clicking or whatever Rams team you're going to get that week, it, it's also a test to see okay, can they really hang with the Green Bay's of this division first and foremost, and then can they progress forward? Because that's ultimately going to be the question. But as we're talking about quarterbacks, bridging the gap, taking the reins of the team, Coach, your lock yeah, I mean, we'll, definitely we'll, did a great job we'll with that. We'll segue our leap in some way because obviously we shared that. So mm-hmm. my lock was the Miami Dolphins who were eight-point favorites against the lonely, bad Jets team, and boy, did they ever deliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, 
I had some uh, – well, go ahead, Pat. Give him the thing, and then I'll go into sure. my spiel. Uh, so the Dolphins ended up winning by the final score of 24 to nothing. Uh, Ryan Fitzmagic had 18 of 27 for 191 yards passing, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, and then Joe Flacco, 21 of 44 for 186 yards passing, no touchdowns, one interception. This was an interesting transition to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With their quarterbacks. Wait, I'll let you go. Well, yeah, let breakdown. me get my – little well, so – I, you know, being the fantasy guru yeah. that I am, and self-proclaimed or not, you know, I I am that. You mm. know, I mean, uh, let's just face it. Uh, five and four and one for five and one currently. Uh, after I had uh, a bad loss in our Ken fantasy yes. league that we share, uh, I thought I was doom and gloom. I was ready to ship everybody out of here after one game, and well, thankfully nobody jumped on my trade offer because five and one, I'm just dominating. Um, so anyway, I, I had a week here where I had picked up Herbert and Drew Brees and I, I needed a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So who did I stream? Nobody else, but Ryan Fitzmagic and boy, did he deliver for me? Thank you, sir. So this is your swan song for me because you are benched for Tua who came in and went two for two for 10 yards, which is uh, real, <laughs> really confusing to me. Sure. And, oh, and not to mention, because also the guru that I am, do I hold on to a defense? No, 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 you schmucks. I drop my defenses and I stream. And boy, did I pick one up that was so clutch because I picked up the Dolphins' defense. I say, advice to anybody, unless they're already claimed, I'd pick whoever the Jets are going to Oh, yes. Against. Oh, yes. Especially currently with Flacco in a quarterback because P.U. Um, so anyway... Yeah, I, 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 I don't get it. They're three and three. Mm-hmm. You're in a battle for your division right now. Second place. Three wild card teams are getting in now. Obviously, you know there's the AFC uh, or the AFC North and the West is very competitive. So you very well may see three teams from the AFC West get in. Mm-hmm. Um, so two wild card spots would be up, and you know chances are the Colts will be in the mix. Um, you know, and a couple other teams. So all right. But still, three and three. Wouldn't you want to strive for a playoff? Especially, you don't have a first round pick this year, mm-hmm. or you do. You have two with Pittsburgh's. Yeah. So you have a first round pick. You got two last year. You know, wouldn't you want to continue the success the first time that your franchise has seen five hundred in how long? Yeah. When was the last time Miami was legitimately five hundred this many games in the season? I don't know. Probably yeah. since Marino, I was right? Say Marino, <laughs> I mean, Marino, rocking isotoners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like let's be real. So to switch from Tua, and I mean honestly, we all thought the bye week, yeah. right? But we also thought Miami was going to be one and four, right? Not three and three going into their bye week. Yeah. So I'm very, very perplexed by this. I feel for Ryan Fitzpatrick because he's played well. Yeah. I mean, he went out and absolutely slang it against the 49ers mm. in Miami, which, I mean, yeah, it's a home game, West Traveling East, blah, 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 but absolutely dominated that game, played great. Um, you know, now you're going into this game with Devontae Parker potentially out for Tua. You know, he's in, he's mm-hmm. on the injury report now. They have a bye week. Yep. So who knows what, you know, maybe he'll recover from the bye week and be back, hopefully. But you're going to be going into that game without your best weapon, and now you're just going to stick your franchise quarterback into an impossible position. I mean, who who's the game against? Uh, I will pull Oh, it's up. the Rams. It's the Rams. Yo, My yeah. God. Like, that's that's just not smart. Donald, <laughs> Donald's going to eat him alive. Well, their offensive line's a little bit better. I mean, listen, Aaron Donald. I don't want to say it, but I'm smelling overrated. I'm just saying, hey, 
San Francisco when they they single covered him or you know single blocked him last night. They didn't double him, and I mean he I thought he would absolutely dominate the Giants' terrible offensive line, and he didn't. So maybe it's all guns, no sh- you know it's all guns and no uh, nothing behind it. You know I don't know. I'm just saying. But yeah, that's that's bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jalen Ramsey. If anybody will have a field day that game, yes, because Jalen Ramsey will pick him up all day. Um, and then to flip over to the Jets. They're bad. They're bad. They're, They're bad. real bad. They are. My God, I thought the Giants were going to be a lock for Trevor Lawrence. Like I was like, there's no way the Giants won't finish with a worse record. Like the Jets will steal a win. And no, like now I'm sitting here thinking the Giants are going to win the NFC East. I woke up this morning after I watched the Dallas game. I'm like, the Giants, we'll go into it later. But um, yeah, the Jets are bad. And here's the thing, you Jets fans that are like, oh, God, Gase, and we don't want anybody to get fired on the show. Let's just put that out there. Nobody wants to, you know, we don't want anybody to lose their job. But if Adam Gase wasn't fired today, an offensive guru, after putting up zero points on a Miami Dolphins defense, he's not getting fired until week 17. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Yeah. There's no way. Until Black Monday comes, he's not getting fired. There's no way. They would have fired him now, you know? Yeah. You know, it, really puzzling about benching Fitzpatrick because, like Coach said, they're three and three. Uh, Fitzpatrick's stats: he's got one thousand five hundred thirty-five yards passing, good for twelfth in the league. Uh, Ten touchdowns, which is tied for thirteenth in the league. Seven interceptions, which is tied for thirtieth, and he's got a QBR of seventy-nine point six, which is good for seventh. And then you, you that's met, pretty goddamn good. Yeah. <laughs> and then you mentioned the playoff situation. The Dolphins are currently ninth in the AFC. So it's like and what like how many games back? Uh, well, like a half? Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. literally. I mean, so the the the, Ra- the Colts are four and two. Colts are four and two, and the Raiders so came Ra- back. Yeah, say so the Raiders right ahead of them are three and two, and the Browns are in sixth right now, yeah. and they're not going to finish there. So no, no. that's crazy. It it just doesn't make any sense to me. On the flip side, you know, the Jets are bad. You know, I was <laughs> I was looking at the lines. You know. Looking ahead for locks and leaves, but currently the Buffalo Bills, who play the Jets next week, are currently favored by 13 points. Following that in Week 8, the Jets are pl- uh, going to play the Chiefs. Any guesses on that line? Yikes. And, Dude, that's got to be... I would say Vegas-wise, 17. So last year, the Dolphins, who were bad, and the Patriots, that was a 20-point game. We were like, that's nuts. So I'm going to say 21 and a half. Wrong. 22. Oh! Kansas City is currently favored. Kansas City, two, like, oh, two weeks out, is currently favored by 22 points. Oh They're going to put up so video close. game numbers on the Jets. You know, yeah, they are. The Jets don't have anything going for him. I'm sorry, Joe Flacco is a serviceable quarterback. He's a he's a guy who's good. He'll he'll eke out a win for you if you're lucky. But he's got to have the parts around him. Who are you saying, Flacco? Yeah, well, no. If, if not he, anymore. Not well, not anymore. But he's got he's got to have parts around him. But you look at the rushing game again. Their leading rusher was a 38, 37, 38 year old Frank Gore. Eleven carries for forty six yards. Their leading receiver was Brashard Perriman. Four catches for sixty two yards. How did the defense fall asleep and forget to cover the man? Thinking that Flacco was a serviceable backup was a a mistake. I mean, they should have gone out and gotten anybody to be a backup quarterback. I mean, to think that Flacco at 39 is after what happened in Denver yeah. is capable of being a backup is part of the reason why this franchise is in the position that mm-hmm. they are. There are some guys that I think if time travel were a thing and you could go back and get some guys in their prime, I think some of those play, you know, the Montanas, the Steve Youngs, 
you know, the Troy Aikmans, I don't think they could do anything with this fucking offense. Because I saw, no. I saw a stat, or I saw a graphic the other night, I think it was on Reddit or Twitter or somewhere, that it was ever, for every team Gase has either been a, like an offensive coordinator or a head coach for, the offense is ranked like lower, no higher than 25th. Mm-hmm. It, it like how this man continues to get a job because oh he's an offensive minded guru really look at the stats look at the track record what offense I could run a better offense than this guy and I only play Madden oh I have some thoughts on this on both teams the thoughts views and opinions upcoming are that of Ken M and do not necessarily reflect that of the ODPH listener discretion might be advised Miami is doing Miami. God bless you for sinking your battleship because you have gone all in and you're benching Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has actually carried your sorry team this far in the season. Pad, they are 3-3, three and three, correct? Yes. Do you know who their three wins are against? Uh, pulling it up right now. San Francisco. San Francisco, Francisco. who's depleted. The Jets. Jets. The Jets and, and Jacksonville. Jacksonville. So we are already abandoning ship, even though Fitzpatrick has carried your team to – Start Tua, who is just easing into the season, made two completions. It's a great story to see him come back. But then you are now feeding your young rookie to the Lions because you have the Rams, Cardinals, Chargers coming up. So those are going to be the three stretch games that you're going to have to rely on your rookie quarterback to carry you if you even want to talk playoffs. Well, and let's not forget that after the Chargers, they're playing Denver, who just took it to New England. Exactly. And Denver has, will make sure that they're having a nice game at Denver because they step up when they're at home. In their last month of the year, they've got Kansas City, New England, the Raiders, and Buffalo. Yeah, at Buffalo, too. So let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. You are making oh, a, such freeze. a foolish decision doing this. I understand you want to start your rookie quarterback. Sure. But when we all said at the bye week it was going to happen, if you were going to be 0-6, you're not. So why you are pulling the trigger so early is beyond me. But, hey, sink your battleship because I would like to see Tua succeed just because of him coming back from the injury, sure. But as a Bills fan, good luck because this is a foolish move. I could understand it if it if you know we weren't in the middle of a pandemic and it was full capacity seating and you're looking to put butts in the seats. Yeah. I would understand that to every layer and degree, but that's not the case. It's not full capacity seating at whatever the hell the name of their stadium is these days because they change it about every other year. Hard Rock Stadium. Thank you. You know, but so you're not exactly doing it to sell seats. What the hell are you doing? The kid's going to get eaten alive. Yeah, you're feeding him to Aaron Donald, who, guess what, will take advantage of that weak Miami line. I mean, Miami's line's played well. They'll play well, but you know what? For Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, that's who I'm concerned about. Ramsey's going to have a field day, too. I would say. Pat, I don't even know what the spread is. That week, put me down for the Rams for my lock because they're going to be heavily favored for that. It is just mind-blowing that Miami would just go all in on two passes against the worst team in the NFL, maybe even worse than the 0-16 Browns, maybe worse than the 0-16 Lions because let's flip the coin now because Miami – Prove me wrong. I'm throwing that challenge out there to you, but you know what? I don't think you're going to do that. And for the record, I looked it up. Uh, Fitzpatrick, through six games, has been sacked ten times. Yeah, so what do you think is going to happen to a rookie, unfortunately, that's going to get eaten alive by two defenses out the gate, which let's not sleep on Arizona. No. They are they're, down, they're down Chandler, which is you know hurts their defense a little bit, but they're still good defense. They're still very good. So you know what? Have fun with that. I, I encourage you with this. But if you're going all in on two passes made against the worst team in the NFL, and let us not forget, they actually released Le'Veon Bell. Yep. 
just put him out there because they couldn't get any trade offers. And for I him. think they're still on the hook for paying him too. They are. Yeah. I mean, they. I mean, they drove his value in the ground though. Exactly. I mean, it was literally Gase's doing. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I mean, he was arguably a top five perennial back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They drive him into the ground. They basically bench him. Then they try to trade him. He has no value, so they cut him. And then he signs with the Kansas City Chiefs, who already have a great rookie running back right now. Yes. So now they're even more loaded. They're more loaded, and the Jets got nothing in return. In fact, they just traded their heart and soul, their defense, too, I believe, to Tampa Bay. Yeah, for like a third-round pick. Yeah. I'll say the man drove up from Miami to Tampa Bay after the game was over. Yes. So that being said. Free at last. That's no joke. That's no joke. The guy, as soon as the Miami game was, the game against Miami was done, found out he got traded, he packed up his stuff and drove up to Tampa Bay. Yeah. It is absolutely mind-blowing that the Jets could go sink their ship even further. But you know what? If I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm really debating about going back to school. Here's the. And it's funny He's you mention that. It. It, it, it's funny you mention that because I saw a meme on Facebook. It was the Joey from Friends, you know, smile and then surprised. Mm-hmm. Top one smile was, you know, Trevor Lawrence when he stays another year at, at Clemson because the Jets went 0-16. And then surprised Joey was Trevor Lawrence when uh, the Jets go 0-16 in 2021. I can see it happening. I don't doubt him doing it. In fact, I wouldn't blame him right now unless you pull off some miracle in the offseason. But what do you have? What value do you have to your team? I mean, here's the thing. I mean, yeah, so he has his senior year to return. Mm -hmm. I do think he actually can potentially graduate at the end of this junior year because, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure he went in early. Yeah. Um, But – you know, even if he doesn't, obviously he can still leave. Can ha- basically do the senior senior year move like Mark Sanchez, yep. so, or like you know, Liner did, where he took ballroom dancing. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's not like uh, um, or Liner. Yeah, it's yeah, not, like not Sanchez. Uh, I mean, he's gonna have you know Travis Ntn's gonna graduate, um, so he's gonna lose. But they're still loaded. Yeah, I mean, even even if with graduation. They're still loaded. I mean, they had a really good recruiting class this past year. You know, Dabble Sweeney's not going to leave him, you know, empty-handed if he decides to return. And, I mean, if he's staring at the Jets being 0-16 this year and seeing the way that this franchise ran, you know, depending on what they do for a head coach, I mean, unless they get, like, you know, unless they pull uh, what's-his-face from the page, uh, McDonald, McDan- Mc- McDaniels. 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 Yeah, unless they pull some coup like that. You know, and, and get a head coach that might be able to actually turn the franchise around. I'm going back to school. I, yeah. I'm risking it. I'll, I'll take. I would take out the insurance policy. You know, whatever you needed to do to make sure that if you're, you know, you do have something happen to your career going back into your senior year, you still have some sort of money. But I'm going back to college. And I'm just looking at this Jets schedule. You know, next week, as we mentioned, Buffalo. That's a win. Kansas City. <laughs> that's a win. Uh, they got New England in Week Nine. That's a win. By Week and Week Ten, Week Eleven they got the Chargers. It's a win. Yeah. Uh, week Twelve against Miami. Win. Week Thirteen against the Raiders. Win. Week Fourteen they go to Seattle. Win. Uh, week Fifteen they go to the play the Rams. Win. This is the only one that just because you don't know what team is going to show up. Week Sixteen they play the uh, Browns. So. You never know with freaking Cleveland. But honestly, at this stage, I think the Jets are, are just – there's no sign of life on this team that makes no. me say that they can even hang, that they are literally going to go winless this season. It's like because they close out the I year mean, against New England. Yeah. yeah, and I mean – so here and here's the other thing, too, is uh, Justin Fields. Yeah. Ohio State. He's a junior, too, with, you know, talk of leaving. I'd come back if I was him, too. Yeah. 
I just, I just, I don't see any glimmer. I'm a 18 to 19 year old kid staring, you know, watching what's going on in the NFL, paying attention because I'm going to be entering the draft and I'm seeing what's going on with this Jets franchise. I mean, you know, Eli complained about how San Diego was operated. Yeah. And San Diego really wasn't that poorly of an operated thing. It just had bad luck with franchise, you know, first round draft picks. So, dude, if I'm I'm a junior junior year college quarterback and I got one more year eligibility, I'm coming back and taking basket weaving because I do not want to go anywhere near that franchise. There is only one. Minor. Now, this is also this is a leap. I'm going to say, as far as we're talking predictions, this would be a leap. There's only one minor way that I don't see Lawrence or Fields uh, are going to the Jets. Like I, I think there's only one way they could. Rather, I'm sorry, is if the Jets hire Eric Benemy, the Kansas City offensive right. Like there, there needs to be a coup. They need, yeah, but they need to go like. Full tilt. He needs to just get players there. Like if they could pull off some deals. Like I'm just I'm gonna do crazy fantasy booking right now. You take your most disgruntled wide receiver in the NFL, Odell Beckham Jr. You bring him back to the Jets. You get Benemy as your head coach. You actually find a running back that is in the age under age bracket under 30 that is serviceable. To go in there. Not um, just trying to think who's gonna be a free agent next year. I'm pulling that up right now. Thank you. I- I, yeah, I mean, I get what you're. I mean, even Kansas. I, to me, I think that they need somebody with. It's got to be a previous head coaching experience. It like, would make they sense need, to. They need a culture changing style guy, like a Tom Coughlin style guy, yeah. to come in and just break that locker room down completely from scraps to rebuild it in his image. They would need to, but I just don't know if there's a coach out there that is on that level right now. <laughs> That would be willing to jump in there because I, I know somebody right. would say like, "Oh, you get Bill Cowher to leave CBS." I don't. He's not doing. No, that. he's not doing no, that for he's, this. He's, he's but that's in. but that's the style guy that you need. Yeah. You need you need somebody who is. I mean, what I would do is obviously I, I'm pretty sure they already fired their general, fired their general manager. If not, they they will. Yeah, I get Riddick yeah. from ESPN because I mean he'll definitely. I you can tell he's hungry for a job. Yeah, you get a, somebody who is a moderately. Uh, experience, you know, a former head, you know, head coach that has been out for maybe a year or two that just did the time off, looking to get, you know, has the itch again, and you bring him in. Whether that's, I mean, it's not Cower, but somebody along those lines of a Cower, sure, you know, like a Rex Ryan. I don't know if they bring Rex back. I no. mean, yeah, but they, but, God, but no. never say never. I'm, but but yeah, never say, say never. never. Listen, I mean, Riddick obviously has a pulse for the room. You yeah. know, definitely sees talent out there. I think that if they did hire Riddick, Benjamin would be his. No, be would be number, his move. He's gonna be the number one sought after coordinator to coach. Right. This offseason. Oh, for sure. But yeah. I just, to me, I really think that if you go in any direction, you need to get a guy who has experience taking teams and changing cultures. A la Tom Coughlin, a la Bill Parcells, somebody from that type, a la uh, Belichick, somebody that has uh, a track record of bringing bad franchises back to prominence. Yeah, because for the Jets, if you're going to try attempting to rebuild, you need to strike quickly. Right. And you need to entice Trevor Lawrence a reason to come there. Because, I mean, you can always pull the Eli. Like, I'm drafted, but I'm just going to sit out. Right. I mean,. And how bad this team is looking, it's not out of the realm of thought. Like, as crazy as no. that sounds, it really isn't. Because, I'm sorry, the Jets team is abysmal. This might be the one of the worst fo- football teams I've ever seen. Dude, it's, I mean, it's yeah. the and fact I, that I, I, the Dolphins took it to you that way. 
yeah. is embarrassing. And, I, and I'm, I pulled up the free agents for 2021. Nobody really jumping out of me. Uh, this is listed by the 2020 average annual value. Uh, Kenyon Drake, Todd Gurley, Tevin Coleman, James White, Matt Breda, Mike Davis, Rex Burkhead, and Carlos Hyde, just to name a few. Leonard Fournette is also on that list. Uh, I'll go get Fournette. TJ, yeah. TJ Yeldon's on that list. Uh, Deion Lewis, Devontae Freeman, Jarek McKinnon, LaShawn McCoy, Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore. You know, uh, so those are just some of the running backs. And then on the wide receiver front, uh, A.J. Green, Allen Robinson, T.Y. Hilton, Larry Fitzgerald, Sammy Watkins, Marvin Jones, Kenny Stills, Brashad Perriman, Corey Davis, and Willie Sneed, just to name a few. Like I say, they have some moving parts they can plug in there, but obviously the Jets need so much help that they just need somebody to really get in there and reignite that fan base and make players want to come there. And Fireman Ed ain't it. Yeah, and that's the thing. So what else are you going to do for the Jets? I mean, you take a look at what Cleveland has done. And it's possible to rebuild, but obviously they're still taking steps to do it. Because as we are going to now segue, which I coach the sounder give it go so yeah uh, pittsburgh ended up winning by the final score of 38 to 7 uh ben roethlisberger 14 of 22 for 162 yards passing one touchdown no interceptions baker mayfield 10 of 18 for 119 yards one touchdown two interceptions as we talk about rebuilding cleveland's been trying to do it for years now and let's see where they're at coach well i mean let's talk about the fact that the lines last week just stank yeah the board the board stunk last week Uh everything was thrown off by the tuesday night game not to mention the fact that just the lines generally poo poo oh yeah so my locks and leaps went up in smoke this week i I bear no shame i mean we i picked cleveland i mean i can't speak for you but i picked them because this was a prove it to me game Mm -hmm. if you are for real then i was going to hedge my bet on you and say okay cleveland show me go into pittsburgh and win this game if you are for real, do that. Especially because the Steelers did what we said they were going to do and punch them in the mouth. Right. And we also, you know, they Cleveland coming off that great win against Dallas two weeks ago. Uh, you know, another and another good win the week before. So show me that you can go into Big Brother and take it to him. And guess what? Big Brother said, not so fast, my friend. We're still the boss dog. And Pittsburgh absolutely smacked him in the face. I mean, Baker Mayfield, the rib injury, you know, is potential uh, that it's a little more legitimate than what they're making to believe. Um, you know, Odell Beckham didn't practice till Saturday, which, I mean, at this point, you know, is practice really that important necessarily yeah. for, for gearing up, you know, for a game? I don't know, maybe. I mean, at this point, you would think that they have enough chemistry and timing that they don't really, if they miss a uh, week of practice, that's not going to kill them. Um, but, you know, Pittsburgh's defense is definitely, if their front seven gets to your quarterback, you're in trouble. Oh, fully. I mean, because their secondary is not great. But if the front seven get to you before, you know, you th- if you have to throw an errant pass, they're going to get to you. And you're going to cause interception. And that's what happened twice in this game. Um, you know, obviously losing Bush for the that's year huge. is going to be killer um, moving forward. But, you know, next man in obviously played well. You know, they didn't miss a beat after Bush went down. Um, TJ Watt is a man possessed right now. Uh, I mean, he had Baker Mayfield snap count almost to a T mm-hmm. on certain possessions. Um, and, yeah, and obviously Chase Claypool, I can't speak enough. Notre Dame alum coming on strong, you know, even with only having one catch, still look good, or four catches I think he had, still look good, 
you know, still, and, and Juju Smith-Schiff was there. James Conner got going last week. So, I mean, Pittsburgh's really starting to fire on all cylinders. I'm pretty sure they're 5-0 and for the first time in franchise history, yeah, which least. is dangerous. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't really see any falter in this team moving forward. I mean, they're doing it on all facets. Yeah, no, Cleveland just doesn't look good. To start the game, uh, Pittsburgh came out and kicked a field goal. Okay. You know, it happens, sure. But then you come back and Cleveland throws a pick six and then a punt and then another punt and then another punt. You know, their longest drive of the game ended up being, I believe it was an inter- – I'm looking at the all plays here on the ESPN recap uh, – was an interception where it went four plays, 10 yards, and two minutes – or no, excuse me, it was their touchdown. Nine plays, 75 yards, and four minutes and 42 seconds. That was their longest drive of the game. Yeah. You know, just not good in all facets. You know, like we said, they had to come out or because the Pittsburgh was going to punch them in the mouth, and that's what they did. And I think it's shown us what we can expect from this Cleveland team, where they'll be okay. They might scratch out a win if they're lucky, but when it comes to playing the tough teams, the teams they need to beat to show they need they deserve to be in the playoffs, they're not ready. One step forward, two steps back. This is how this team has been playing. And I wanted to drink the Kool-Aid, and I really think that this was going to be the year that they finally took that extra step. But going up against Pittsburgh, they got thrashed. I don't use that word often, but they got thrashed because Pittsburgh did, just like Pat said, just like Coach said, they punched them in the mouth and they kept swinging. Baker never looked comfortable in the pocket No, the entire game. Now, if his rib injury is for real, which I tend to believe it is. I mean, you have to assume because he just – he from last week and the week before, he did not look the same in this game. No, no, he definitely looked like a day-and-night difference. So I'm not giving him a pass about it. I mean, I applaud him if he tried playing through it. But at the end of the day, if you're not ready to go, you got to be saying, I can't go. This is one of those losses that will hurt your team because once we saw that Pittsburgh was applying that pressure – and the Browns had no answer for it. Mm-hmm. This really showed where the Browns were mentally because, as we saw on the sidelines, Odell Beckham Jr. checked himself out. Yeah, He was walking around without his cleats on, shirt was off, and just looked completely lost mm-hmm. of, like, what am I doing here? We also saw Baker was taken out of the game. I know on social media there was a lot of feedback about, like, why would the Browns do that? That's such a Browns move. Look, at this stage, if they knew he was hurt, they did made the right decision because they knew they weren't coming back. But it all depends on what happens their next game. Yeah. If Baker comes back in, he needs to have a lights-out performance. But if he's not healthy enough, the Browns need to suck it up and say, okay, Case, you run the team until he's ready to go. Mm-hmm. Because for all the reports that were saying that Beckham Jr. should ask for a trade-out and Landry should ask for a trade-out, I think you need to pump the brakes just a little bit. I th- It's... Such a bad take. You yeah. know, I mean, this team was playing. to go, That's what's so funny about, like, actual, like, the pundits. Yeah. You know, like, Cleveland just played great. You know, they absolutely, you know, I just, I've said it. You know, they throttled Dallas. They came back. They won last week. Uh, the offense was kicking on all cylinders. Baker Mayfield looked good. Odell Beckham was running, you know, reverses and throwing the ball all over the place. Jarvis Landry was throwing the ball over the place. They're all having fun, you know, running these trick plays and whatever. You know, Nick Chubb is getting it going. Kareem Hunt's getting it going. You know, oh, the offense. And then all of a sudden, one bad week against a very good defense yeah. with an injured Baker Mayfield. And now it's like, all right, blow this up. Get rid of Odell. Get out of here, Odell. Ask for a trade. Jarvis Landry, same thing. Your career is being wasted. Like, shut up. Like, come on. Like, yep. if you actually are like believing that, you don't watch the games mm-hmm. because the dude's hurt. Like, a, a, a 
bruised rib is almost worse than a crack. Yeah. That shit hurts. You can't breathe. You're uncomfortable. You know, any movement you have is a sudden rush of pain. So, all right, should Baker have played? Maybe not. I'm not the doctor for right. the team, I agree so with you. I can't speak to how bad the injury was. I can say I've had a bruised rib, and that thing hurt bad. Yeah. So if he gutted it out, credit to him. Did it hurt the team? Potentially, because 10 of 18 is not very good. But that's what Cleveland decided. Cleveland obviously felt like a Baker Mayfield at 60% is better than Case Keenum. Case Keenum. And can you blame him for it? No. 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 I mean, I haven't injured my rib either, but two years ago I did strain my oblique muscle right in that rib cage area. I couldn't go to the gym and lift weights for about three weeks. I took a knee straight to the rib in wrestling school, and that shit had me on the ground. That shit hurts. So if Casey Keenum at 100% is not as good as Baker Mayfield at 60, which is what Stefanski's job is to determine Mm -hmm. as a head coach, Mm -hmm. then he obviously saw something. The concerning thing for me is – Odell's body language on the sidelines. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say trade him, but his body language is concerning because this is a guy who's coming in, obviously wasn't drafted by the team, but he is a veteran presence. He has been there. He has been around the block. You know, he has been through the ups and downs of the season. You know, this is a guy that I'm not saying he should be sitting there on the on the sidelines clapping. All right, guys, come on. we got to get back in this. But he should absolutely be there, you know, talking to guys and looking at things and trying to learn and trying to get better and try to improve because that's ultimately with these losses what you want to do. Yeah. You know, but he's not doing that. He's off to the sides. He's he's looking like a pitcher in Major League Baseball, eight innings deep into a perfect game with nobody near him. You know, and like you said, he's got the cleats off. He's got the jersey all or half pulled up. He looks like he doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't. Yeah, and but that's Odell. Yeah, I mean he is a personality. Like yeah. you have to just take the good with the bad, and his overreactions are a passionate quote unquote you know result of him being upset. So you just move on. Like it's 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 like a kid throwing a temper tantrum. You just ignore it and wait for it to end. And when it ends, it will be fine. They are going to come back next week, and Cleveland is going to be a much better team. They yeah. uh, play Cincinnati next week, for the record. Then there you go. They will come back. Everything will be fine. Everybody will take a deep breath. Odell will be involved in the game plan. Stefanski will make sure that he gets his touches, and everybody will move on. It's the same shit that he did in New York. I watched it for three years. It's the same story. It's not going to change. And that's one thing that we all have to remember, too. The overreactions from the media have been extraordinary this week well it's the sexy thing yeah it's the sex it's ooh, odell's on the sideline the dude slapped banged his head on a on a field goal practicing uh net yeah he's going to overreact just okay media you cover it because that's what's gonna push you know papers or, or you know sell ratings or whatever you need but for the woke people quote unquote we've seen it new york people are like giants fans are like yeah, that's Odell for you. Yeah, have you seen him? It happen. He, he has his track record. Yeah, I mean, any, anybody that's been following them is, is completely awake to what he's doing, and that's the thing. This is nothing really new. He does these temper tantrums, and it's either your culture of your team is strong enough to handle it, or you got to make a choice. And if you really want to flip OBJ at this point, sure. But what value are you going to get this late in the season for? Him? And why though? Yeah, why even do it? Okay, so you know, of the teams that need a quarterback, New England. Are they really going to sell their souls to get Odell this late in the season? Probably no, not. Probably no. not. Uh, you know, thinking, thinking, thinking. Green Bay would Green have been Bay. One, but they, they <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they have. I mean, it's 
they have uh, this is the thing like yeah green bay could have used another threat but they still have devonte adams yeah so they still have a very good wide receiver so it's like are they truly desperate for another you know guy that is not as good as devonte adams but you know they're going to bring involved no now landry maybe because he's shown that he can play the two you know the the robin to a batman yeah but maybe uh i mean uh buffalo doesn't need one um, the Jets need one, but no way in hell. Right. I yeah. mean, Houston could use a number one. I mean, Will Fuller's played well and been serviceable. Brandon Cooks came on, but that's a long shot. So yeah. it's like, but that's the whole. It goes Cleveland's back, not going to make a move. It goes back to the point because right, you, they shouldn't. I mean, this is a bad loss. Yes, because let's not forget how great Pittsburgh has been this season. Exactly. That's and that's they, the ultimate thing. And that and this, they've been flying under the radar because everybody's used to it because this is the tempo they always set. But Roethlisberger is healthy for the first time in a long time, mm-hmm. and the stat line is showing it. Yeah, Connor had one of his best games he's had in a very, very long time. My yeah. fantasy team noticed that as well. Yes. So that all being said, it's clicking for Pittsburgh, and they're playing at such a high level on both sides of the ball that this is what's getting overlooked because everybody really wants to just rain down on Cleveland. It's like, stop. Pittsburgh right. is, is... The story should be the 5-0 and Pittsburgh Steelers exactly. that are taking it to teams right now old school. And yes. And the t- real interesting test for them is going to be the next two weeks. Uh, they travel to Tennessee next week and then to Baltimore the week after. I mean, I would say that this Pittsburgh's team is probably one of the best Pittsburgh teams that they've had since that uh, Super Bowl against the Cardinals. I'll give yeah, you that. Yeah, yeah. I, this team looks very, very good. And I mean, I know the 5-0 and record. I mean, it's been against Cleveland and the Giants. You know, like we, we named the teams. Yeah. And they're not exactly, you know, the upper echelon. But it's how they've been gone about these wins. You know, that week one win against the Giants, although the score wasn't impressive, their performance was. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I'm a buyer, I believe. I, I You have no right not to because Pittsburgh is doing Pittsburgh football. Mike Tomlin is put on an amazing performance getting this team ready to go. And they're winning the games they should. And this one, they wanted to send a statement to Cleveland. Yeah. And they took advantage of a banged-up Baker Mayfield. Nick Chubb is not in the lineup, but still – they have weapons on that offense, and they completely shut them down. This is Steeler football at its finest. And to see where they're going to be going now against Tennessee, I mean, that's going to be a hell of a game. Mm-hmm. That will they, be a lot of fun. Yeah, can they stop Derrick Henry? Because few teams can. <laughs> when you have an offensive weapon like that, it is very difficult to stop. My fantasy team politely asks you to not stop him. I mean, it, I mean talk it, about a guy right now playing out of his free. And, but Tannehill, too. Yeah. Tannehill, Tannehill, too. Tannehill has been playing lights out. So has Aaron Rodgers, but unfortunately he decided not to show up at Tampa Bay. Yeah. And after, after doing the key uh, the, the key uh, appeal. Yeah. yeah. That'll be a note now. You'll never see that uh, celebration ever again yeah. in the NFL. No, yep. you know Aaron Rodgers. He'll do it again just to spite people. Probably. You might. Pat, you got that snap? Yeah, so uh, Tampa Bay ended up winning by the final score of 38-10. to 10. Tom Brady, 17-27 of 27 for 166 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, and then Aaron Rodgers, 16-35 of 35 for 160 yards passing, no touchdowns, two interceptions. So my lock went up in smoke. Coach, your thoughts on this one? I mean, I, I should have known better. You know, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, uh, back-to-back losses are very rare in Tom Brady's career. You know, even though it was with Belichick at the helm, you know, a Tom Brady-led team is also going to come back and have a strong performance. Um, I thought, however, that Green Bay was going to come out and play better. You know, I at least thought they were going to show up. I mean, they were three-point favorites going into the game. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been on an absolute 
you know, been on fire. After, after the world tour. Yeah. Um, just sticking to two people. And I mean, he put up a daughter performance. I mean, after Pumpgate, you know, I, I don't know what he was thinking in that celebration. I don't know what, you know, went through Tampa Bay's mind after they saw that celebration. But obviously it was, oh, you're going to pump on our field. No, not so fast. Um, and obviously, and Tampa, the crazy thing, too, is Tampa Bay's defense had not played well up until this point. No, they did not. I mean, Justin Herbert came out there and absolutely slanging all over the field, you know, making him look like the number one, you know, franchise-changing quarterback, which obviously he played well against New Orleans the week after. But, like, even still, like, I mean, Justin Herbert, like, won his starting job in that game against Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, you know, and New Orleans was able to put points on him. So Chicago, Chicago put up points on him. So it's like New, Orleans, New Orleans, uh, Tampa Bay's defense has been, you know, a porous hole. But they shut the gates real quick, and I mean, obviously, uh, Green Bay's out without uh, Adams, mm-hmm. which which hurts, uh, especially when you know they don't really have a threat outside of that. But even still, I mean, they've got solid running backs, they've got Aaron Rodgers, they've been doing it without Adams for now for two weeks. You know what's the excuse? You know, I yeah. mean, just you got your ass kicked. That's the whole point, Pat. Yeah, no, I think it's a reality check for Green Bay. You know, it's just to show them they're not perfect they're not there's still room for improvement and, and that's what it is on the flip side for Tampa Bay yeah Brady had a good game but I think you got to give you know if you got to give the gold star the you know the congratulations award I think you got to give it to the running game and uh Ronald Jones the second 23 carries 113 yards two touchdowns good lord had him on my fantasy team there you go this was a dominant performance for Brady that when he saw Rodgers jump out to the early lead took the game over and for Rodgers to have a very unprecedented game with two interceptions it was a sign that he was pressing too much and the rest of the team didn't match him. Oh, and also Brady remembered that Gronkowski was on the team and decided to throw to him. Yeah, this is one that Brady definitely had circled on his calendar and wanted to make a statement, and he did. I don't know if this is going to be the team moving forward because the one thing I see from Tampa Bay each week now, and I don't know, I don't even care the record's for and two, the inconsistency of this team on both sides. Uh-huh. Head-scratching. Telling. Yeah. yeah. It's head-scratching. They shouldn't be making as many mental mistakes as they are. When they play games like this, it covers up a lot. Uh-huh. But Brady was only throwing the ball for 166 yards. I mean, that's another thing that's very interesting to follow, too. Yeah. Especially with he had Chris Godwin back in the lineup. Yep. Mike Evans was in there. He got yep. one catch. So when you have weapons on that side of the ball and you're really trying to get something going and establish an identity – it's very interesting to see how he's going about this. In certain games, he can flick it on, and certain ones, he can't now. Yeah. And this is a testament of what it, the Patriots organization had because they covered up a lot of these Band-Aids mm-hmm. or a lot of these wounds here. So he's got Band-Aids on them, and now everything looks okay, but is this going to be the team moving forward? Yeah, I got to agree with you. Just you know, the passing, yeah, Gronkowski had five catches, 78 yards, one touchdown. Godwin, five catches, 48 yards, no touchdowns. But the, the glaring thing to me is his number one, Mike Evans. One yeah. Catch, one catch, 10 yards. Mike Evans had as many catches as LaShawn McCoy did. Yeah. LaShawn I mean, McCoy had one catch. It's just so weird to see that. Yeah, but that's, that's scheme and coverage. Yeah. I mean, they could have been. I mean, it, the same thing with um, – I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, the, the there's another goddamn there's another wide receiver that had a bad game, but you know that's just scheme and coverage. You know that's just the team. Okay, we're not going to let Mike Evans beat us, so we're going to you know under and over the top him. Uh, you know you saw that with uh, you know the Arizona game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know obviously Amari uh, Cooper was able to get open you know later in the game, but they were double covering him most of the day, and the Giants did the same thing. That's why C.D. Lamb was able to just absolutely scorch them. 
Um, but that's what teams are doing right now with true number one wide receivers. They are limiting the amount of touches that these guys get. So, and obviously that's what Green Bay focused on. Yep, is shutting down Mike Evans. And they should have been really more focused on covering everybody. Well, I mean, but, but no, but that's the whole thing. It's like, yeah, they shut down Mike Evans, but Tampa Bay has so many weapons. Like that's the thing, right? That if you just do normal oh, coverage, it was Tyree Kill. Oh, that's Tyree right. Kill, Buffalo yeah. shut down Tyree Kill for the most part. That's who I was trying to think of. But yeah, I, but even still, though, all right. So yeah, Gronk went off. But you know, if you're think about it, if you're Green Bay. How has Gronk played up into this oh, point? He's, he's been non-existent. He's been, he's been abysmal. Yeah. So, like, if I'm sitting here and all right, we're coverage, we're breaking down coverages and schemes, and I'm sitting here and oh, Gronk's is on the field at the same time Mike Evans is. Where's your attention going to draw? Now, luckily, you know, Gronk ended up playing pretty well mm-hmm. and and did his thing, which is was probably begged by Tom Brady because yeah. he needed him, um, and and that was able to you know he was able to get a score and obviously. Mike Evans was limited. I mean, next week you're going to go out and you're going to see Mike Evans have an absolute beast of a game. The other part of it is, too, is that Mike Evans is a deep route guy. Yeah. And the intermediate routes are not his strength, and Tom Brady can't get him the ball. So that's the other part of it, too. It's going to be haunting them as they're going forward. I mean, I know next week I think they got the Raiders. So Correct. That, that should be an interesting matchup. And then they got the Giants. Yeah. So... They have some room to That's sh- a freaking L, baby. That's Let's Monday. go, Giants. It's on Monday Night Football. I'm not doubting that one. I'm not saying I'm going to take that one, but I'm just saying I would not doubt the Tampa stout v- defense Tampa, of the New York Giants. Tampa's struggling against them. I really don't. Because this team, like we say, is so inconsistent. We don't know what we're going to get out of them each week. So the, to lock them in for the Super Bowl, I think, is a very, very bad mistake right now. As for Green Bay, a lot of work to do. I know it's the first loss, but they need to come up with some answers for this. Uh, just because if you let Brady pick you apart with Gronkowski at this age, mm-hmm. it's a little worrisome. Now, yeah. I'm not saying the sky is falling, no. but it is worrisome, and I think they definitely need to address it going into next week. Yeah, uh, where they play Houston uh, down in Houston. So that should be a fun matchup. Oh, yeah. Final thoughts of the week, though, Coach? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll bring up Giants Nation, everybody. I mean, a big, big, big win against the Washington football team. Uh, let's hear it, Giants fans, because now I'm a believer. They're going to win the NFC East. They're going to they're going to do this. This is an absolute team that is going to dominate their way to an NFC East title, going six and ten, seven and nine, somewhere in that realm, and they're going to win this division. Because I tell you, I watched that Cowboy game last night, and my lord, do they look bad? They're awful. And obviously, we talked about the Philadelphia game. Uh, no, and Washington is. Terrible, too. I mean, the Giants' defense is going to be what keeps them in games because offensively, they're bad. I mean, let's not get that twisted. But they're going to end up, they're going to screw this up. They're going to not get Trevor Lawrence. They're going to end up, this is going to be the literally perfect storm. They're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. They're going to do good enough that Gettleman's not going to get fired. And we're going to be stuck with the same shit next year where they're going to start out the gate bad and then they're going to end up finishing bad. And then we'll have to wait a whole nother year for Gettleman to be fired. So I'm patiently sitting. Also read a funny story today from uh, a Facebook page, Big Blue United. They were like, oh, are the Giants going to be buyers at the trade deadline? With Mm -hmm. what assets? (laughs) I was like, what are they going to trade? They have nothing to trade. A first-round pick? If Gettleman trades a first-round pick for a rental piece – just to finish 7-9 and nine and get bounced in the first round, then that should get him fired. Um, but, yeah, I, I I thought that. Now, the thing that pissed me off about this game was we obviously have our Yahoo locks and leaps, mm-hmm. and I picked the Giants to cover, 
you know, uh, my wife, who is so dialed in on this shit, guys, I can't even, like, not talk football, which is fantastic, um, but at the same time, it's a little exhausting, uh, goes, you know, who's going to cover the Giants or, or Washington? I'm like, two and a half means you're picking the winner. You know, two and a half point score, you're picking the winner. Washington goes down, they score, you guys are texting me, you know, <laughs> as I'm in softball dad hell, not being able to watch the game. Uh, I get home right as Washington's completing that drive. They score the, the game-tying touchdown, or a game uh, down by one touchdown. Now, the, this is the crazy thing that doesn't make any sense to me, guys. Ron Rivera, during the uh, pre-games interviews with the play-by-play and color guys, go, we're, we're in this division. We're, our focus is on winning this division. That's why we made our move at quarterback because he gives us the best chance, Kyle Allen, to uh, make it and win this division because we're in it. All right. Then why did you go for two after you won? After you just tied that field goal? He's, after you just scored that touchdown? He's always been Riverboat Ron, though. That is, but that is a dumb decision, and I'll tell you why. Because your offense, although up until that point did not play great, had just drove the ball on the Giants, score, proved that you can score. There would have only been about 20-some-odd seconds left. You boot it deep. The Giants the offense couldn't move the ball through the air on you. You're obviously not worried about a big play because Darius Slayton's their only big play option. So you would have gone into overtime, and then you're rolling the dice. That's Riverboat Run to me. Going for two was basically just saying, we're, we're a bad team, and we're trying to sneak out a win on the road. That's what going for two told me. So now you know you're sitting at one and four, tied for second in the division. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's something to say. Yeah, and that was a bet. I mean, go for the points, take the points, go ahead, tie the game, and go into overtime. But now you know the Giants didn't cover because the game needed to go over overtime, and they won. So now they're out of Trevor Lawrence. Gettleman's not going to get fired, and my world's over. Not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm not, no. no, I'm not wrong. No. But to even interject quick before I give it to Pad, uh, concerning the Yahoo group, uh, Three Fat Nerds is in first place. Ooh. Fuck, I had. Oh, oh, I've got beef with JVD, by the way. Oh, Villains of Man is listening. Yes. sir. Uh, kind sir, let me tell you something. You said the prior week was the worst week uh, in the history of picking. No, things got way worse because we were all terrible this week. I got three fucking points. Yes, yeah, You here. jinxed it. You jinxed us. This is your fault. You don't say that this is the worst week ever when things could get worse. Things are never positive vibes only. I'm thankful that I don't have any extra money to bet on these games because if I would have been betting, which I should have been doing because being at 59%, I'd have money in the pocket right now, but I don't have it, so I don't bet. I would have been really out of luck right now. I would have been calling you to help me pay my bookie because I would have been in trouble. Positive vibes only. We apologize for the popping that just happened with the microphone. But co- I, he got me hot. I was so mad. I literally, I almost texted you guys. I literally, I told Aaron, I go, JVD just jinxed all of us. She goes, what do you mean? I go, she just said that everybody had the worst week of their lives last week. Yeah, he did. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> yeah. We all had our worst weeks this week. Yeah, this was by far and away the worst week. Ken, maybe, Ken maybe we should cancel a coach's meet and greet with uh, John Calipari. Yeah, this this might yeah, Dude, might, might, might not be the best week for us. We we I mean this was bad. Three 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 points. Yes, no three same, wins. Same here. That's why Rich oh. Rich Rich had the best week of everybody. That's why he, he jumped me because I'm in <sighs> second now. Tyler from second suitors in third. You're in fourth. No. Cody Max in fifth. Uh, Vinny I believe is in four with 44 tied with uh so Wizards Joey and Pad. 
you're right there with them at 44. There is wow. Yeah, it's a bottleneck. Yeah, it's bottleneck yeah. right now for everybody. So, uh, JVD, you got to hit up at Coach Stuffy Eleven and uh, have that conversation with Coach. Positive vibes only, my friend. Yes, but in the six oh seven bracket, it's tied now with Pat and, and Rich. So the fight is back on. Which I would have. Rich, I think, is like two points ahead of me. If fucking Baltimore didn't blow, because I had I had two points locked up when, <laughs> when we left the establishment we were yeah. at. I had two points locked up in that game, and I was like, "Sweet, three points. I'm going to probably keep even keel with Rich, one point behind him." But fucking Baltimore screwed it yeah, up. Yeah, I, I just got to double check that. I want to say you guys are tied. If not, you're like right. I close. <laughs> Listen, I was like, I got these games. I I thought I picked a good card, and yeah. it was bad. It was definitely bad. Yeah, Pat. Yeah, uh, yeah, tough loss for the Patriots going mm. go, going up against Denver. But when you had Cam, a little rusty, obviously not having played in like three weeks or something absurd like that, you know. And then the carousel of changes with the offensive line, you know, you had the two injuries because of COVID, I believe it was. So then you you switch some stuff around, and then you have two more go down during the game. Also, doesn't help when you don't practice. Yeah, that <laughs> that also doesn't help. So and then you got Brandon Robot Leg McManus putting up twenty five plus fantasy points, you know. Good God Almighty. So shake off the rust, actually get some goddamn practices in this week and uh, bounce back against San Francisco next week. Yeah, and for the Bills, listen, I understand that some people were hitting me up on social media saying that the season is over because of their two <laughs> losses back-to-back. No no lie about this. I got hit up. Oh, my and, God. And I responded going, they lost to Tennessee and Kansas City, the two best teams in the AFC not named Pittsburgh. So how is the season over already? Stop. Listen, it was a bad game by Josh Allen, and I'll be the first one to tell you it was. He pressed himself way too much. He was trying to force a lot of bad throws because he was using his arm strength. The accuracy was a little better in the bad weather. It had been a different story. Yeah, I mean, the rain definitely, you could tell, hurt them early on. And as for the defense, McDermott sitting a couple starters to send a message about how bad they played against Tennessee was not the best week to do this on. I'm just going to put it out there because the run defense was abysmal. They couldn't stop anybody. The fact that... Kansas City's running back had 80 yards in the first half running and was averaging nine yards a carry. Go. Like, how do you stop that? You don't. And for the Bills, it showed because even though they started turning on late because Josh was hitting throws and decided to kick on that second-half magic, they never had a chance to rebound. So for the Bills, yeah, they got some rebuilding work to do. Albeit, though, they got the Jets this week. So, hey, if they lose again, then I'll say this guy's that's, falling. That's one way to rebuild. Yeah. But like I said, if they couldn't stop uh, Clyde Edwards-Heron for running crazy for 161 yards, uh, I can only imagine what they're going to do with Frank Gore. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like obviously Kansas City's built for all facets yeah. of football. I mean, rain, snow, whatever. They're going to play to their strength, which is just being a good football team. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Buffalo obviously struggles in running the ball. So, you know, if you – Oakland and New England showed how to beat Kansas City, right? I mean, that's the quote-unquote blueprint. It's keeping Kansas City's offense off the field. Yeah. And if you don't do it, then you're not going to win the game. And that's what happened with Buffalo. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, they got some work to do. Obviously, the Jets are going to help clear up a lot of those holes. But as far as the season being done and Miami was creeping up, like, listen, we already touched upon it. You're putting in a rookie quarterback to face the Rams when he comes back. We've got the Jets this week. Even if Fitzpatrick was still in, you st- Buffalo's still a favorite to win that division. Yeah. That's just that's being dumb. The sky isn't falling. So I, These people, like, what do they think? I mean, two losses against two playoff teams. I mean, 
Tennessee was ready for that game. Yeah, because you know, I mean, I mean, how long have they been off for? And then they finally yeah, came back exactly. fresh legs. And then they played fresh legs. Derrick Henry was absolutely man possessed. Yeah. And and Tannehill is playing well, so you can't discredit. That's not a bad loss. You know, it's just a loss to a really good team. Then you flip it and you got to play Kansas City. You know, back to back. That's another good team that you're playing. You know. Yeah, so a lot of work for the Bills to do, but obviously they're joining the rest of the team in a great week of NFL action that hopefully the lines are better going to Week 7. But definitely let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Week 7 of Locks and Leaps, how did we rank, and what was your picks? And I can't wait till JVD hits up Coach Duffy on Twitter. This is going to be pretty epic. Let us know what you think. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do not adjust your dial, or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack, and I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating and enlightening and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod and check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it's UFC time. Uh-huh. Big fight card this weekend, but we had a very big fight last weekend yeah. on ESPN Plus for the featherweight number one contendership. It was Brian Ortega taking on the Korean zo- zombie Chan Sung Jung. Mm-hmm. Pad, you got the results? Yeah, so uh, Brian Ortega defeated Chan Sung Jung by unanimous decision, a 50-45, 50-45, and 50-45. So the takeaways from this fight was Brian Ortega's striking was incredible. I think his time off since the Max Holloway fight that he had, he really focused on his areas that he needed to do because he was nailing shots with pinpoint accuracy. The first round was very split, but what happened in the second round is very telling, and that's Brian Ortega was throwing spinning elbows a la Chris Jericho and the Judas effect. (laughs) A lot. And he connected on one. A la me in every UFC video game ever. Exactly. Zombie never looked the same, and it showed. He was very tentative about his shots. He was landing a couple here and there, but it was all Brian Ortega for the rest of the fight. He has locked up now a fight with Alexander Volkanovsky for a date to be named. 
But I will tell you what, Ortega has never looked better. Pulled up the stats courtesy of UFC.com. Uh, it lists Brian Ortega as having 129 total strikes compared to Korean Zombies 64. Uh, 127 of them were significant compared to uh, Korean Zombies 62. Yeah. Uh, and then he had three takedowns compared to Korean Zombies, uh, none. Yeah, Zombie had a very, very bad performance. In fact, in the post-fight, he said he did not remember his rounds three, four, and five. Which is not good. No, it's not. It, it reminded me of when uh, Rafael Dos Anjos was fighting Anthony Showtime Pettis, mm-hmm. and Pettis got the concussion the first round. Or, and, or and, uh, also Undertaker in WrestleMania. Yeah, it's one of those things when you get hit that hard and your brain is scrambled, mm-hmm. unfortunately you're not in a place where you can recover. Yeah. So you press forward, and a lot of times it just doesn't go your way. So for Zombie, I'm sure he'll bounce back. I don't know if we're talking title contendership yet, but he's got some work to put in. And for Ortega, I mean, big fight with Volkanovski coming up. So that will be a fun one. Not as fun, though, as this weekend. UFC 254 taking Mm -hmm. place at Fight Island. Mm -hmm. 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The main card. Yes, is the main card. So this is a little wild, but we are going to break down the co-main and the main. So, Pad, why don't you leave us in? Yeah, so starting with the co-main, it is a fight in the middleweight division where you have Robert Whitaker taking on Jared, and I'm going to butcher this last Thank you. Jared Kenyonier. So, Coach, do you have any feelings on this one? I want you to tell me my feelings. <laughs> I figured as much. So Robert Whitaker, longtime middleweight contender, former champion. I always say he is the most deceptive UFC champion of his in history because he's not flashy. He's not somebody that's going to do a lot of highlight knockouts. He grinds wins out. He wins a lot of times when you don't expect him to. I mean, Pat, you got his records. Yeah. So Robert Whitaker has a in twenty six professional MMA fights has a record of twenty one and five. Uh, nine wins coming up by knockout, five by submission, and then seven by decision. Uh, and of his loss, five losses, two are by knockout, two are by decision, and one is by submission. Uh, or decision, excuse me. Uh, his last fight, uh, he beat Darren Till by unanimous decision. That was back in July. Uh, prior to that, he knocked out Israel Adesanya in uh, October of 2019. And before that, he was on a bit of a win streak, uh, beating the likes of Yoel Romero twice, uh, Jacare Souza, Derek Brunson, uh, Uriah Hall, Brad Tavares, just to name a few. It's one thing to say about Whitaker is he's not afraid to go to deep water with somebody. He went to the ground with Jacare, mm-hmm. which is... Rules for disaster right there, and he survived. Adesanya took him out, though, which there's no shame. I mean, the current king of the middleweights. So for Whitaker, this is a huge fight, but do not sleep on Kanye. Mm -hmm. Kanye has been a contender, and this is a big fight for him. If he wins, he does get Adesanya. Mm -hmm. And to take a look at his track record, Pat. Yeah, so in 17 professional uh, MMA matches, he has a record of 13-4. and Uh, He's on a three-fight winning streak, beating the likes of Jack Hermanson, who he knocked out. That was back in September of last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he TKO against Anderson Silva, uh, leg kick. That was back in May of 2019, and then and he TKO'd uh, David Branch uh, with punches. It was back in November of 2018. So that all being said, I'm really split on this one. I really am. I think Kanye has been definitely worth a title contendership. But every time I pick against Robert Whitaker, Whitaker wins. He wins ugly, but he wins. So this time around, I'm going to stick to my guns, and I'm going to take Kanye. Hmm. I think that this is his time if he's going to do it. I would not doubt Whitaker pulling off some kind of crazy knockout in the fourth or even fifth. I think this is going to go to deep water. I think that Whitaker 
does start a little slow. He's not exactly a speedy fighter, um, so he's going to be definitely trying to work some grappling, trying to work some strikes. He's very well-rounded, and that's the one thing to remember about him. He's not going to go in there and put on a highlight, but he's going right. to go in there and perform. Right. If Kanye is the real deal, and I think he is, he's going to need to do something here. And I think that he's going to squeak it out. I'm going to give my official prediction and say uh, split decision. Hmm. So, Coach, are you are you riding with me on this one? Whitaker. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm thinking the same thing. Just because I'm looking at some, I'm looking at like kind of the entire body of work uh, for Kenny A here. Uh, you know, he and yes, he did beat Anderson Silva, but let's remember this isn't the Anderson Silva. This is old, prime. You know, so asterisk that one. He's beaten the P. I feel like it's a case of like we were talking last segment with football. He's beaten the people he should have. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the big name contenders, the names I recognize, because let's admit I'm not as well versed in all these fighters as you are, he's come up short. Uh, three of his losses are to one is to Dominic Reyes, who knocked him out uh, in the first round back in May of 2018. Uh, he lost to Jan Blahovitz, Jan Blahovitz, uh, unanimous decision. That was back in December of 2017. And then he lost to Glover Teixeira by unanimous decision in February of 2017. So to me, it just seems like every time he steps up and gets to one of these next tier, you know, he beats the guys he should. You know, but when it comes to taking that next step up and the next tier of fighter where this is the time to sharpen your sharpen your blade, so to speak, you know, to really grind that piece of coal and turn it into a diamond, it's coming up a little short. It is, and it's it's fair criticism. I'm not gonna say it's not. It's just one of those situations that now since he's in middleweight, because I believe those fights were at light heavyweight, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. This is seems to be a little more comfortable weight class to him. I mean, granted, he is on that bad side of age. He's at 36. Mm-hmm. But I think it's now a, now or never. It's going to have to be. And for Whitaker, sure. like I say, I'm not saying he's not going to do it or I wouldn't be that shocked. I just think Kanye is definitely due for it. And I think he's looked very impressive. I mean, Grant, you hit a great point. Him beating Anderson Silva is nothing to exactly write home no. about at this age. No. But I would say if he can beat Robert Whitaker, that's a huge feather in his cap. And then Adesanya has said he's willing to fight him. Even though Adesanya has gotten about four different fights lined up with yeah. John Jones. Allegedly, we're scheduled to fight him. Yep, that is true. I think uh, Rich from 3FN is scheduled to fight him, too. Like, he has booked himself into a bunch of different fights. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see who shows up against him. Yeah. But like I said, this one is going to be a fun co-main, but... Let's face it, we are all here for arguably the biggest fight of the year. Uh-huh. Biggest fight according to Dana White, which, Pat, you want to break that down a little bit? Yeah, so Dana White did an interview with the folks over at TMZ Sports, and they were bringing up you know, how it's a huge fight, everyone's been anticipating it, and the person who was interviewing, uh, I'm not sure who it is, there's no byline on this article from TMZ.com, uh, they brought up how it's it's looking like it's going to be a huge buy. And Dana said, yeah, it, uh, it's trending bigger than the biggest fight in UFC history, which to this point is uh conor mcgregor versus uh habib nurmagomedov you know so uh, the article reads uh white doesn't quote white doesn't white says the data doesn't always hold up but right now he's pretty confident for the record 2.4 million buys at 65 dollars a pop is 156 million in pay-per-view money alone so yeah this is a big deal dana said in the interview if you go to tmz.com uh that it, the fight was trending high on monday you know not thursday or wednesday or friday like you might normally expect but on monday mm-hmm. you know and he said we'll see if the he said we'll see if the numbers hold up because yeah it's at fight island but it's at two in the afternoon and he's not entirely sure a lot of people know that fact 
Yeah, that's something that's going to be a really telling sign when they get the buy rates back. Mm-hmm. To have a fight that early on the East Coast is going to be tough, I, I, let alone I, the I, West Coast. I love it. I'll be awake for it. Yeah, this is going to be something definitely worthwhile. Which isn't a knock on UFC. I just have a hard time staying awake well, that it, late. It's true. It's, it's, it's always a tough time for us on the East Coast to watch. but Especially when fights go till 2 in the morning. Yeah, yeah that's Yo. another story. But this one, I mean, looking at the track record, Habib has been the GOAT mm-hmm. of the lightweight division. Obviously 28 and 0. So 28 up, 28 down. And he's beaten every name that they have thrown at him. Including Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, Ally Quinta, Edson Barbosa, Michael Johnson, Daryl Horsher, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, just to name a few. So, Coach, I know you got some feelings about Habib. Well, first I would like to comment on the tracking. You know, let's uh, – it is what it is. Dana White's a promoter. He's sure, obviously sure. going to sell his guys. You know, he obviously wants to make Khabib a draw and and make this fight a draw. You know, there's a lot of things working against them with it being at two o'clock because sure. I mean, let's face it, two o'clock East Coast, that's football time, baby. Mm. I mean, that's college football in the prime. You know, there's a really good slate of games uh, right in that particular spot. You know, the SEC normally has their 4 o'clock game on ESPN. You know, uh, the Irish are playing at 3.30 uh, against Boston College. Does anybody watch them? No. Are they still a team? I'm not even going to respond to that. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, CBS has their, you know, uh, matchup, marquee matchup that normally airs around the three thirty four o'clock spot. So, you know, th- there oh, and uh the Big Ten's back now too. Mm-hmm. So the, this is the first week that the Big Ten's back. So a lot of big matchups. Um so it's gonna be tough on the East Coast to sell, you know, a Khabib Gaethje fight that uh, outside of maybe the hardcore UFC fans aren't really gonna care about because in particular, me doesn't really push the needle for me. You know, I mean I'm not I'm not really sold on this. Um, now, if Connor was fighting, I you know, and it was a two o'clock start, I'd drop everything I was doing to go watch this fight. But I'm not, you know, I'm not a. I don't know a ton about Gaethje and Khabib lays in praise sometimes. So if this is a new Khabib that's going to come out, you know, guns a blazing and throwing hands, then I'm going to wish that I watched it. But if it's not and it's boring. Then you know I'm going to be watching college football. Oh, so I'm looking at I'm looking at the college football schedule here. Uh, number one, Clemson kicks off at noon against Syracuse, so that game will be over by the second quarter. Uh, <laughs> like you mentioned, uh, number five, Ohio State kicks off at noon against Nebraska. After that, it's kind of like a no huge matchups until you get to where you got Notre Dame playing at three thirty. Like you mentioned, you've got number two Alabama playing Tennessee. Uh, number eight Penn State taking on Indiana. So it's kind of like a yeah, there's games going on, but it's not anything that, like, even as me as a kind of casual college football fan going, holy shit, I need to see this. And, all right, so maybe it's not a marquee matchup week, but it's still the Big Ten's back. Mm-hmm. So, like, Big Ten fans are going to be clamoring for football. You know, like, if you, you're telling me you've got a guy who's an Ohio State diehard and they're playing Toledo, you know, whoever they're playing. They're playing Nebraska. They're playing Nebraska. You're going to say, hey, you can watch one thing on TV. Gaethje versus Khabib, or you can watch your Ohio State Buckeyes play. That's why you got a phone or tablet. Put something else on the phone or I tablet. See, you got one thing. You got one thing to watch. They're going to pick Ohio State. So it's tough. And uh, so that's just my comment on that. Uh, outside of that prediction-wise, 
Well, I let's mean, well let's let's break down Justin Gaethje for a second. All right, let's break. Let's dive deep into Mr. Gaethje because he has been on an absolute tear. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Pat, you got his stat line up. Yeah. So in twenty four professional um, MMA matches, he has a record of twenty two and two uh, of his twenty two wins. Nineteen are by knockout, one by submission, and two by decision. And of his two losses, both are by knockout. Uh, he is currently on a four fight win streak, beating the likes of James Vick, who he knocked out in t- August of twenty eighteen. Uh, he knocked out Edson Barbosa in March of 2019. He TKO'd Donald Cerrone in September of 2019, and he TKO'd Tony Ferguson in May of 2020. So if you're not familiar with Justin Gaethje, get familiar. Get familiar in a hurry. He is the epitome of a walking rock'em sock'em robot. He is going to throw hands all day until he cannot throw his arms. He has been in wars in the octagon. Wherever he's been, World Series of Fighting, I believe he was there beforehand. Yep. Yep. And now in the UFC, he's been on an absolute tear. Every fight he's been in has been violent, period. You're not going to see a lot of groundwork. You're not going to see a lot of flashy submissions, per se, even though he has a vastly underrated grappling regimen involved. I mean, he is somebody that will surprise people uh, with his wrestling, but he never uses it. That's the scary thing about him. He throws with violent intent. And like I said, his regimen is usually strike, 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 strike. Well, say so I'm looking at his NCAA uh, wrestling record. Nothing to really write home about. He's got a record of 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, but it's very underrated for who he trains with because he trains with one Kamaru Usman. Oh. And I didn't mean any disrespect. Oh, I know you didn't. I'm just saying, like, I'm a college football guy. Yeah. You know, that's my thing. I love watching... I'll watch the Clemson-Syracuse game up until probably midway through the third. So Clemson's going to be up 63-7. to I'm still probably going to dabble a little bit and watch it. That's just me. Oh, you yeah. know, and, and fine. You know, I mean, I'm just saying, if you're going to sit here and say that numbers are trending towards the biggest fight in the UFC history where you had Conor McGregor, who was on a promotional whirlwind tour, was a household name now after the Floyd fight. You know, anybody who, you know, love him or hate him, everybody was going to watch this fight because of the bad blood that was brewing. Mm-hmm. You don't have that in this fight. You, I mean, it just hasn't been the same promotional-wise. You're right, but I can understand White's comments when he's looking at the buy rate breakdowns by day. Yeah. If he's looking at it and you sort it, and I'm sure he can do this on his computer where he can sort them by day and highest to lowest, and he sits there and he knows what's coming up for this fight and what, what the buy rate already is, how many people have already bought. And if he's comparing it against the previous one, and yeah, it's higher than the other ones. Okay, you can sit there and say it's trending higher than the other ones because right now it might be. But it's like White said, we'll see what ends up happening. There could be a taper off where you know you've hit the max number of people who've bought it, and it's not going to go any higher, and then it won't, and it might not end up being higher than well, Connor Khabib. Well, there's a couple things you have to look at with this fight. One, Habib in the MMA world is undefeated sure, and mm-hmm. has a certain mystique about him. He fights bears. He is a legend in the sport. Yeah. And he said publicly he only wants to fight two more times. He is on a way to do a perfect record in MMA if he can pull this off. He has publicly stated, which I think is going to be a very, very vast mistake, that he wants to fight a 40-year-old GSP. Oh, so he's, he's still fight. on that, yeah, that kick. Yeah, he said it this week. He said I hope that fight happens at 2, too, so during football season. Cause he, said it to, he said it today. Yeah. Oh, that, he was on first take on ESPN where he said, quote, I really become excited when I think about George St. Pierre. I don't know if he wants to fight with me or not. 
uh, can he make weight, 155 or not. But this fight makes me excited, honestly. Habib was on first take? Yeah. Habib was on first what? take. What? So oh, goes, my God. So he goes, and I think me versus, and I'm reading a quote here, and I think me versus George uh, is going to be very, very big fight, like big fight for fans. Big fight for pay-per-view. Big fight for analytics for everybody. This is only fight in UFC after Gaethje. That makes me very excited, close quote. Oh, my God. I got to watch that. Yeah, no, How he, awkward was that interview? Well, that's what I say, because he usually doesn't <laughs> go. He doesn't make the media rounds usually. Imagine no. Stephen A. Smith interviewing him. Uh, oh, yeah, Stephen A. Smith. He is. I'm looking at the video on ESPN.com's website. It's it's Habib in the middle and then Kellerman on the right. Habib, and, hey. And Stephen uh, A. on the left. What do you think about that car guy, huh? Yeah, yeah, I can imagine Stephen A. Smith. Uh, <laughs> he's not the strongest guy talking MMA. Oh, so. not and not even to mention that. You know, I mean, yeah. just the fact Habib is a and then the closest thing to a robot yeah. I think I've ever seen. Well, it's funny you bring up Connor and and, and uh, Poirier, and he was asked about that. Of course, he was. He said, "Quote: I finished both of them and finished in dominant position, <laughs> a dominant performance. Yep. And I'm not and I'm not interested in both of those guys because I need something new. I need new blood, new energy." Justin Gaethje gives me new motivation. He's the real deal. Right now, he's interim champ. He's a very t- he's very tough guy. If I think about both Dustin and Connor, they don't give me good energy. They don't give me motivation. Fight for what? For my legacy? I already put these guys on my list. I already beat them. Everything is finished with these what, guys. What Pad's, what Pad's not telling you too is that that was actually in binary code that he spoke it on ESPN. That was one zero one 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 zero zero one 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 zero. It's something about Habib that is, like I say, he's he's a unique character. And for the record, George St. Pierre was told ESPN on October seventh, quote, if I get if I come back, it would be for one fight. And I need to take for me the biggest fish. And the one for me, I believe, the top guy right now, the name is Habib. Okay. Well, George, George St. Pierre is busy. You know, he's Falcon and Arrow right yeah, now. Yeah, that's I mean. that, that's what I say. And about this one, I will give you my prediction right now. I'll I'll, I'll lead us off. Okay. Habib is already talking about fighting a 40-year-old GSP. Who hasn't fought since uh, beating Michael Bisping on November 4th, 2017. Exactly. Which was at what weight class? 185. Yeah, and uh, he has never... That's fucking heavy. Yeah. He's never fought at what should be noted. uh, GSP never fought at 155, and he fought most of his career at 170. Exactly. He's not going to make a weight cut to 155. Okay, let's break this down very quickly. A 40-year-old GSP dropping... His walking weight right now, which I'll say is around 190, easy to drop 40 pounds to get down to weight for one time at this stage. No, I'm sorry. If GSP has been continuously fighting, yeah, this would be a different story. But he is retired. He left. He didn't want to fight anymore after he beat Bisping, which is perfectly fine. He earned that right. So for Habib to be so laser-focused on talking GSP, he's not seeing the guy that absolutely decimated Tony Ferguson and put a whooping on him that nobody has ever seen before. Gaethje has been sitting there laser-focused on him. It's like that Clubber Lang, uh, Rocky Three vibe, that all he's been doing since he beat uh, Ferguson, he threw down the interim title and said, I want the real one. He's been working out with Kamaru Usman, focused every day on beating Habib. And guess what they've been working on every single day? Wrestling. So for the Sambo style that Habib is coming with, if he is not fully locked in on beating Gaethje, 
Kiss that dream fight with GSP goodbye. I think he is a lot laser focused in on Gaethje because you notice he's only ever brought it up when it's brought up to him in interviews. He's not going out of his way and bringing it up. Oh, yeah, well, if I beat this guy, I want to fight GSP. I want to fight GSP. It, like, it's normal for fighters, no matter if it's boxing, pro wrestling, MMA, bare knuckle boxing, whatever the hell you want to see, like that you beat somebody and, oh, you know, it'd be fun to, you know, I really like to fight insert fighter name mm. does it always happen no but it's that's normal i understand him wanting to do it because gsp is arguably the biggest guy in the sport from the last 10 years i'll give you that but i mean this is for nostalgia reasons this sure is, i mean i just don't see the money in it especially if he's not fully locked in on habib or i mean on on gaichi it's going to be lights out quick so my early prediction and new I'm going to go against everybody about this one. I'm taking Gaethje, and I think Gaethje knocks him out in the third. I th- I see, I, I don't doubt Habib. He, you know, he's gone up against the best of the best, and he's stood the, he's stood the test. I think Habib's and still. I'm not saying it's going to be completely wrong, but I think that Habib has got to take Gaethje down to to win this fight. If he if he gets blocked on his takedowns early, it's going to be a long day for him, Coach. Everybody on Twitch.tv/slash67podcast is waiting for your pick. Who you got? Khabib. Ooh. I I don't know. I just I don't necessarily see him losing right now. I think he is dialed in. I mean, he's been off for a long time, which can be detrimental, but at the same time, might have a little renewed pat, you know, a little fire uh, in the belly. And I mean, I think if he's focused and dialed in, you know, he's ultimately one of the most dangerous fighters in the business, obviously. And I think he sees his prize as GSP. And I think that's what he's focused on. And I th- I don't think he'll let anything get in his way. It's going to be a really telling fight. This one is, like we said, arguably the biggest fight of the year. Mm-hmm. And for Habib... Just not all time. Not all time. I have to agree. Not all like, time. I have to agree. Like, I think for the way they're trying to sell this, look, you don't need to sell it any more than an undefeated Habib against his greatest I, challenge to date. Part of me feels like that was probably, with all the animosity that's been brewing with uh, Dana and Connor. Yeah. You know, I almost kind of wonder if maybe... That uh, was a quick shot. Yeah, I feel like that that was a dig, you know, and a little play on that. And, you know, whatever. Yeah, completely. And I fully agree about that. But at the end of the day, it's going to be about Habib and his legacy. And Gaethje is sitting there ready to go with him. I mean, this is why Gaethje was brought into the UFC. The only other fight I could see that would make some sense is maybe Michael Chandler, who just got signed to the UFC from Bellator. But right now, it's Gaethje and Habib going Saturday, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Wherever you find your pay-per-views, you can definitely check it out, UFC 254. We're going to be doing the live reaction on twitch.tv slash 6.7podcast, so definitely join in the chat and give us your picks. But if you don't want to wait till then, hit us up on social media and let us know. OchoDoroParleyHour.com. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. In a world of utter randomness, one podcast stood up from the bunch, and it was the amazing world of talking shiz. <laughs> Sorry, I had to clear my throat there. Um, yeah, it's just mainly randomness. And focus is it's definitely not, being not focused there. on at all. No. Uh, our podcast is definitely um, no theme at all. It's literally random and talk about literally everything and throwing in random jokes at any given time. Yeah. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Hey. So go ahead, tune in. New episodes weekly. And we're international international very very well so tune in follow us on twitter see you there
Hey, this is Vince, the Common Man Seatoy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast and time to run the ropes and talk a little pro wrestling. Wrestling! So this past weekend Mm -hmm. was the WWE season premieres of both SmackDown and Monday Night Raw. Mm -hmm. Now this is all post-WWE draft, Yep. so a lot of the rosters were switched up. They were stacking the uh, virtual audience with some notable faces, you know, celebrities and TV personalities and former wrestlers uh, in, in the case of SmackDown. Yeah, so Pat, why don't you give us a quick recap of the draft, who went where? Yeah. Uh, so on the Raw side, for the men, they drafted Drew McIntyre, who is the current WWE champion, Bobby Lashley, who is the current United States champion, R-Truth, uh, who I think is still the 24-7 champion. Yes. Okay. Uh, AJ Styles, Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, Braun Strowman, Matt Riddle, Jeff Hardy, Keith Lee, Ricochet, Elias, Sheamus, Angel Garza, Humberto Carrillo, Drew Gulak, Tucker Dabakato, Titus O'Neil, Akira Tozawa, Riddick Moss, Arturo Ruas, and Eric. Uh, on the women's side, they drew, they took Asuka, who is currently the Raw Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Lacey Evans, Nikki Cross, Peyton Royce, and Lana. Uh, in terms of the men's tag teams slash factions, they took the New Day in Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, The Hurt Business, uh, the Miz and John Morrison, Retribution, and Lucha House Party. Uh, and then for women's tag teams, they took Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax, who are the current women's tag team champions, and then Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. Uh, on the SmackDown side, uh, they drafted Roman Reigns, who is the current Universal Champion, Sami Zayn, who is the current Intercontinental Champion, Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, Jay Uso, Big E, Aleister Black, Apollo Crews, Otis, Murphy, Callisto, Lars Sullivan, King Corbin and Shorty G. Uh, for women, they drafted Bailey, who is the current SmackDown Women's Champion, Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, Carmella, Natalia, Billy Kay, Tamina, and Zelina Vega. For men's uh, tag teams, they took the Street Profits, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, and then Ray and Dominic Mysterio. And then for women's tag teams, they took the Riot Squad. Coach, your initial reactions? I mean... There wasn't anything needle pushing, you know. I mean, nothing really changed. Uh, Bray on Raw, you know, might help Raw, but I mean, they literally just picked up and moved all the Raw storylines that were the top to SmackDown, yeah. and then picked yeah. up the SmackDown feuds and then just moved them to Raw. So, I mean, just flip flopping shows. I would have liked to have seen a little more of a shakeup. I mean, I I know with. Paul there, you know, AJ Styles was obviously going to move, and we, we talked about it last yeah, week. Yeah, we thought so. that was a lot going right. through. Yeah, right. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I, I would have liked more of a shakeup, and I feel like it was literally just placeholder, rinse, repeat. Pat? Yeah, I mean, Seth Rollins moving to SmackDown was a little surprising. You know, he's been on Raw ever since they brought back the brand split, which was, what, 2016? 
something yeah, like that. I believe 20, so. 2016, like 2017. So that was a little surprising. You know, Seth was on a Monday night, you know, the Monday night Messiah. He's been the Monday night staple. You know, the guy that no matter how many times Miz and Kevin Owens switch or, you know, AJ Styles switches, you know, he's the, he he and Daniel Bryan have kind of been like those two stalwarts that, you know, the one's on SmackDown, the other's on Raw. But, you know, that was a little surprising. Seeing The Fiend go to Raw was a little surprising since I know they were real big on putting him on SmackDown for the push. I mean, if you believe the rumors that are out there, you know, with some of the names that got moved to SmackDown, I guess that was done in an attempt to kind of appease Fox a little bit and, and kind of give it some bigger presence that they felt it wasn't really getting with the current roster. But outside that, you know, nothing really huge. And, you know, a couple of interesting matchups you might see. I mean, Keith Lee and Braun Strowman, yes, please. Yeah, I would say that this wasn't a earth-shattering Raw draft no. or WWE draft. No. I think this was kind of very predictable. I think that they didn't do enough to really shake up the ratings and really push anything other than they really stacked SmackDown with storylines. Mm-hmm. That if you've been following the atrocious Seth Rollins, Rey Mysterio mm-hmm. storyline, what's going on there, and how absolutely god awful that is. Uh, that's like the only thing that really made sense of moving. I thought Raw definitely improved a little bit. Yeah, I think that they got a good influx of talent that will definitely shine a little bit more, especially tag teams. Yeah, tag team wise is great, but WWE needs to push them, and that's something mm-hmm. they have not done lately. So. Moving Bray, though, I think that's a bigger move than anything, that I think that yeah. now he'll have more time to shine. There's more hours or minutes to fill on the show, being a three-hour show. Yeah. And they can really go some places. And I think that that's where you saw in this past week's season premiere, mm-hmm. that they open with what's been developing on Twitter uh, between the members of Retribution, which I have to say, if you're not following T-Bar on Twitter, no, amazing. Okay. Amazing. And decided to take a little shot at Bray. So this is where this whole feud went. So hmm. this felt very AEW, in my opinion. But they opened the show with Alexa Bliss and The Fiend coming out, and then they were met by Retribution, now led by Ali, which is supposed to be the big heavy, which I still am on the fence of like where they're going with this whole faction. Yeah. And The Fiend takes everybody out. And then in comes the Hurt Business, which has been the best storyline on Raw. The Hurt Business now have a match with Retribution, and they beat Retribution. And also Bray uses the claw on T-Bar. So you've now buried your big faction that you were supposed to start in with. That you've been pushing for like four months, however long it's been. Yeah. To where do you go from here with them? Yeah, this is the one part in between the the Cowboy-Cardinal game that I caught. Uh, I mean, her business is face now. I mean, they're because they're going against Retribution, who are supposed to be bad guys. Well, they're so like switching more times than Big Show did. It's a weird tweener. Phase. Yeah, it's it doesn't make any sense. The Retribution thing already is flat and yeah. over for me. I mean, yeah. you can't let you know them get constantly dominated. Then have one guy, albeit you know he might be the fiend and he might be all powerful, but just come in and take out everybody, you know, that's a bad look. I mean, factions are supposed to be factions for a reason. They're supposed to gang up on the weak, dominate them, and, you know, seek, destroy, and repeat, you know, like, and then leave. That's what made the NWO so sick. They would come in, they'd jump you, they'd baseball bat you, they'd spray paint you, and then they'd party their way on down the ramp and leave. You know, like, so, and the whole retribution being drafted and the contract, it's just like, it's, you know, a mess. it's just it's yeah. a mess. It's yeah. like aces and eights with TNA. 
Yeah. Like, literally, that's all this is. It was literally just, all right, let's take a bunch of words, let's put them on a board and throw darts at them, and whatever sticks is going to be the way we book them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the whole retribution thing, they screwed the pooch on from the start. I mean, I, it, it's Nexus 2.0, but they screwed the pooch faster than they did with Nexus. Or would it be Nexus 3.0 at this point? Who knows? Uh, it's worse than that. It, it's worse because at least when Nexus showed up, and you can still find the video on YouTube that of Nexus when they first debuted and they tore the entire friggin' arena, you know, ringside apart and beat the holy hell out of the, you know, the commentary team and just tore all the stuff. That was awesome. That To this day, that's still awesome. But they took too long in bringing these guys in, bouncing them all over Hell's Half Acre, you know, not knowing who they are, not knowing what their purpose is, not telling us who the members are. And then when they finally show up, okay, you had you had segments of them going back, you know, not necessarily T-Bar and all of the face people that we know, but just the group itself going backstage and beating the holy hell out of everyone backstage at Raw. Oh, they're they you know, they can beat up some of the best guys in the locker room. Holy shit, these guys are, are legit threats. Mm. Oh, wait, they just got beat by hurt business never mind yeah, again it's just it's a weird deal that they have and i like i don't know how this is going to be redeemed unless they have a big main eventer take over the faction like i just i don't get it right now and i, I mean there is no way the only way i guess there really is no way to save it no there no. is so that's why i'm hoping bray goes around and hits everybody with a claw and so they go back to nxt gimmicks and we just forget about this even happening <laughs> yeah. so that's the only thing i'm hoping for and as for the hurt business it's so weird because they're supposed to be like the cool heels mm-hmm. but they're still doing heel tactics like they jump Titus O'Neil at the later in the show so I don't right. know what they're setting up there right so it's just a weird way to start raw but I get why they did it I mean obviously is is you're you want to come out the gate with something really hot and get the fans talking and the whole Alexa Bray thing is probably the most interesting thing of the of the night and they started mm-hmm. early with it probably the only thing that's over right yeah. now yeah yeah because then I mean they close the show later with her in the Firefly Funhouse wearing a Freddy Krueger sweater right and then right. And yeah yes I mean, that's about it yeah so I mean that was about it for that I mean the only other noteworthy moments from Raw this past week was AJ Styles has the bouncer from Raw Underground with him mm-hmm. super cool yeah. Yeah, which it was just kind of like, okay, this is kind of thrown together at random. Um, then there was the train wreck that was the women's fatal four-way for the tag match. Yeah, right, yeah. Which, I'm sorry, why do you break up the Iconics if you're going to pair Peyton Royce with Lacey Evans? Makes no sense. No, it was absolutely messy. So it was just a waste of time, in, especially with Asuka. I don't know what they're trying to set up, that she's going to fight both Shayna and Nia by herself. It seems like that's the way. But I obviously Lana will get involved in it. To yeah, help in some way. I mean, watch. there's not the storyline is clearly yes, it's going to be Asuka being. I don't need help to take these two on. Then eventually, you know, she'll keep getting the one up on them. But once they get them actually in the ring for a match, you know, probably Hell in the Cell, she's going to be down on her luck. In's going to come Lana to make the save to help you know Asuka win, and then that will set up their you know next match probably on Raw the next night. Yeah. So. Who knows what's going to happen there? Like I said, it was just kind of all over the place booking. I know Elias came back, and that was supposed to be a big thing, but they're still ca- carrying on old SmackDown storylines with the whole. Yeah, you know, right. That's all like I said. They just picked up and moved. Yeah, but even for this one, which was how I mean, how many months old of the whole Jeff hit Elias allegedly with his car? I mean, it was just kind of a messy way to to do the show. The only saving grace though was El Gran Gordo. <laughs> yeah, which was Otis. Oh, okay. As, as, yeah. 
that uh, Tucker was taking on the Miz and Morrison. They said I had to go scour the planet for a tag team partner, and I had one, so they had him come out looking like Nacho Libre. Oh, which yeah. I mean, it's Otis. And, and, and Tucker even said something to uh, you know the the luchador. And, and if you go back and watch the video, he goes, oh, oh, oh yeah, okay. And it's like, okay, yep, oh, yeah, saw I mean, that. There's no way to go around it. That yeah. was like the only fun moment because the rest of the show for being the lead-in for Hell in a Cell wasn't a good one. No. that They even botched the whole Keith Lee-Braun Strowman match because yeah. Braun won via a headbutt to the nuts. Because reasons. Reasons. So who knows what they're going to do there. And then even the whole like standoff with Drew and, and Bray to take the show or Drew and um Randy, Randy to take the show home. I mean, it was what it was to build up, but I mean going into Hell in a Cell this week, the only match I care about on that pay per view is the Roman Reigns J Uso one. Mm-hmm. Can you can you just imagine if if I may just sidetrack here? Sure. Just imagine if this was like ninety eight and Vince just said, you know, flip back, you know, and just went, I'm gonna invest in the talent that I have now. And we're just going to dive full head of steam in this mm. and actually believed in the talent that he had right now. Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, you know, like AJ Styles, you know, like the name of top guys who, you know, could potentially draw Braun, Bray yeah. Wyatt, you know, like yeah. there's names at the top of this card oh, that yeah. are oh, yeah. still formidable guys. And if Vince just understood and could grasp today, 2020 versus. 1975 mm-hmm. you know as as much as flack as i like to give AEW, can you just imagine if he just adopt adapted to the times and maybe you know deferred to to hunter or to cole or to somebody who's a little bit younger who gets this generation just a little bit more and like they invested in that town you know adam cole i was, Finn I, Ballard, I was just gonna say I mean? yeah you go further down in the in, in, in nxt you know, Finn, like you mentioned, Finn Balor, Adam Cole, and, and Undisputed Era, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa. You know, just some of the names, top-tier names you have at NXT that, like, you just look at the the names that are on this roster, Raw, SmackDown, NXT. It's one of the best rosters they've ever had, but the product is such utter shit. I yeah. mean, just imagine, like, you know, a, a Johnny Gargano being a, a top guy with, you know, if the demographic that they're quote-unquote chasing is the, you know, the the kid now. You know the yeah. the five to yeah. Yeah. to fifteen year old. Mm-hmm. You know, just imagine you know a scrawny little fifteen year old who like is kind of uh, you know wrestling's cool, but then all of a sudden catching Johnny Gargano yeah. winning the title. Yeah, you know that would be that would be Rey Mysterio when he won it in two thousand and five. Also, because just just fantasy booking, I can imagine like a fatal five way between say Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Gargano, Champa, and you know Finn Balor. That you know, I don't know if that's yeah. five names, but like that to me just goes, holy shit, that'd be an amazing match. Yeah, and I mean, Adam Cole, I mean, albeit you know, is is the reincarnated version of Shawn Michaels in today's Facts. generation. Uh-huh. I mean, okay, so Michaels might not have been a quote unquote top draw, you know, and brought money in the way that Stone Cold and Hogan and and those guys did in The Rock, but they don't get there without Shawn carrying the strap for so long. Nope. I just, I don't know. I'm just, I know I'm spitballing here, but I'm just saying, like, just imagine if they invested, instead of having Bill Goldberg show up on the SmackDown yeah. uh, screen yeah. to tie into the fact that they're going to bring him back at Rumble and stuff. Yep. You know, I mean, this that, it, that it, to me is talent wasted. It really says something, like we said, the, the just the names you have on that roster. And beyond the ones we mentioned, that in 2020 you have the best if not one of the best rosters of all time, but you still have to bring back old hands yeah. that, it, that it isn't and bring them back for a title run or a title challenge. 
and it's not the oh hey they're coming you know they're rumored to be coming back for the Royal Rumble right and if my so my son is four mm-hmm. if he is a t- quote unquote target demographic two things a Raw should be getting done at eleven because I'm not letting my child yeah. stay up till eleven o'clock yep yep that a, that starters but b I'm not going into this saying, "Oh, that's Bill Goldberg, son." No, like I'm, I'm trying to say, "Hey, look at Finn Bauer, look at Gargano. Like they're smaller guys, and look what they're doing." Yeah, little kid. You know, I mean, and if you take talent for talent and you break down the rosters and you talk AEW versus WWE, AEW is not deep. Yeah, they've got a lot. You know, they're top, they're top heavy. Mm-hmm. But once you start getting into the crux of shit, it's not that impressive. You know. But then you look at WWE, and you're like, I, I mean, the list of names can keep going. Yeah. It's, I just, I don't get it. I mean, this is a state of a union, so I guess I just gave the state nah, of a union. Yeah. And also not trusting in the talent you have on your roster, so the names we mentioned, is how you end up with pieces of shit like Goldberg versus Taker. Yeah, I mean, Facts. It, it, it's true. It's just Vince, I don't know if he just needs to really step back or just allow Hunter to have more of an influence well he's got to do something i I, to me part of the problem is is that they just can't figure out who they're trying to target yeah because they try to grab our attention right by saying oh look it's bill goldberg you know oh boy you guys remember bill you know he used to spear everybody jackhammer and leave see but i wasn't watching wrestling at that point i don't give a shit about goldberg it was cool it was cool to see him come back don't get me wrong because i never got to experience that but that was a one and done. I'm like, all right, I'm good. Like, I don't need to see him come back. So, like, you and I, like yeah. that, you know, they're, hey, look, mm-hmm. Goldberg, you guys remember him in, in yeah. WCW, right? I also remember him at the, in uh, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but in beside, not even just that, just the fact that I don't care about a guy who's been retired for 10 years. Now, you want to bring The Rock back. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. you, you want to bring, you know, even Shawn Michaels I don't want to see back because the story was so perfectly wrapped up with him retiring. I don't need to see it. No. I don't need to see Taker doing Mania matches anymore. No. I mean, but you want to bring The Rock back for my entertainment? I'll absolutely watch him fucking people elbow people, you know, drop a people's elbow, throw some shirts in the crowd, smile and wave, have the big stage pyro and walk out. Sign me up for that. But I don't need to see the rest. I'm fine with bringing back the you know the quote unquote legends or the alumni for the Royal Rumble. That's that's part of the mystique. Right, that's, that's part, the that's, mystique. That's, that's part the of the, that's part of the fun. Like I remember the one in Philly, I believe, it was where Roman won and everyone went fucking ballistic. But I remember Bubba Ray Dudley coming back. And again, hadn't been watching wrestling that long at that point, so I never got to see him. The pop for Bubba Ray Dudley in Philly was amazing. Right. I'm fine with bringing back the alumni and the legends back for a Royal Rumble appearance. That's part of the fun. That's part of, you know, Mick Foley entered the damn thing three times in one night. You know, but I don't need to see some of these legends make a comeback and have a match at WrestleMania or or SummerSlam or Hell in a Cell. Yeah, or take and take the shine away from the guys who should be having that spot. No, it's all true, and that's the problem that they have right now, that they haven't elevated and made new stars they have faith in. But that's it's more falling on Vince than right. anybody. Oh, yeah, no, they've, they, they've got stars ready in the wings. Vince just can't see past the glory days. Yeah, which, I mean, that's the problem they have. So either you evolve or it passes you by. I mean, I know they're not worried about AEW, nor should they be. No, but right, I mean, and they shouldn't. Yeah, you're right. Not domestically, overseas is a whole other story. Yeah. Well, that's overseas. I mean, but we have to focus on what they're really driving for, and that's being here in the states. No disrespect to any of our listeners overseas, but this is where Vince has always made his bread and butter. Well, I just, right. I, I just know because I saw an article over the weekend that uh, AEW said that in the initial first viewings, they are outdrawing every other broadcasted wrestling show in the UK. 
And, which includes Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. And, I mean, listen, you can't discredit a guy who's been doing it for years because, obviously, he wouldn't be where he is today if he wasn't successful in some sort of way. Like, you don't become a millionaire by just getting lucky. Right. You know, I mean, but at the same time, it's like, you know, at some point you have to realize, all right, I need to remove myself from this and start letting other people kind of uh, – and branch in and i mean you've seen that with nxt and nxt storylines are great yeah you know i mean and and maybe is it time to pass over and defer a little bit more to triple h and I think not so. meddle so much i think, I think so, so. Yeah, i think so but i mean you will been, it no you've been trying all these changes you've been trying to rewrite the script and do all this stuff to try and improve ratings ratings are awful or they're up and down and you know they're the worst they've ever been in you know company history you know, you've been trying this for so long and nothing's worked. It's try- time to finally try the thing that you haven't done yet. Well, look how well things were with Paul, too, when he was yeah. raw. I mean, yeah. Raw's, raw storylines up until the pandemic were hot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, so I guess we can just blame COVID for what is the current state of WWE. Yeah. Well, I think you have to mix in the factors of the, everything that's going on in the world right now and the fact that Vince is scared to let other people grow his product. Yeah. I mean, that's it ultimately boils down to. Because for this draft that we've all been expi- expecting to see big excitement, it was lackluster. Yeah. There was nothing to write home about yeah. except for a couple moves, but you have to really stretch to do it. And that's the problem they have. So going into Hell in a Cell, you're not really feeling like this is a big fight feel. This no. is a big pay-per-view. And how do you shake it up to where you get it to a point where people want to talk about it? That's the question you have. I'm, say, I'm looking at the card for Hell in a Cell. There's only one match I give a shit about, and that's going to be the main event. Well, I mean, eventually Seth's probably going to go back to being a face. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. It takes time off. And, well, yeah. As soon as he come, when he comes back, you got to think that going into SummerSlam, um, that he's going to be the face going up against Roman for the summer program, which makes perfect sense and should be the way. Um, and, you know, and then Daniel Bryan will be there. Probably, you know, holding the middle, you know, the the light, the cruiserweight title or cruiserweight, geez, intercontinental. intercontinental title, and then on the raw side of things, you have to imagine that Drew's going to end up having to go against AJ Styles at some point, you know, once this thing's done with uh, uh, Randy, um, if it's ever done, if it's Randy. ever done with Randy, yeah. or if Randy just you know doesn't outright win the title and and you know. Drew's given some time off, but um, you know you got to think that a lot of things are just going to kind of stay the course. And even up to mania, yeah. you know, I mean, that's just, I don't see anything that pushes the needle where it's like, all right, no. you know, AJ Styles is going to go to raw and, and, you know, boom, the show's going to take a riddle, you know, like I don't see that happening. No. All I see is guys are still just going to, it's just going to be a steady course mm-hmm. up until mania. And it's just going to be, you know, or the rumble and it's just going to be a crapshoot yeah. who wins the rumble. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be something that we're just going to have to keep our eyes on moving forward. But for the first shout out, I would grade it a C minus. And I think that's yeah, C minus D plus somewhere I mean, in there, dude. Honestly, yeah. I listen. I hate uh, the Cowboys, and I'm not an Arizona guy. And I was like, I'm gonna watch football. <laughs> I'll say, yeah, I, I mean, because I, I, I could have understood it even if Chandler Jones was playing just to see Chandler play. Well, right, but I mean, I'm not. You know, I I'm, I don't have. You know, I'm not a UE guy, so I don't. You know, Chandler oh, yeah, plays. Local I'm local guy. Yeah, I mean, kudos. But I was like, no, I want to see this Dallas team. And that's where my priority was because I'm like, I if something happens on Raw, I'm one of you will probably text 
and say, oh, yo, catch, you know, catch what's happening. Yeah. But that didn't happen. And I was like, no, all right, I'll e- flip back and forth on commercials. E- even I wasn't watching just because I was playing Skyrim because I just haven't cared about anything. Exactly. I've watched the pay-per-views and I'm aware of what's going on. But sure. it's just Raw has been so bad for so long that I'm just, until it gets better, I'm not going to watch. Legitimately outside of us talking about it on the show, you know, and I know we should probably do a better job of watching because we do talk about I it. Catch so, the, I catch the Yeah, and I catch the highlight. But I'm just saying, like, you know, um, I, I just I can't get into it right now. I just yeah. I have zero yeah, yeah, interest. Yeah. Outside of my passion for it and just reading the rumors, if it wasn't for that, like the fact that I do love wrestling deep down, I wouldn't probably even care what's going on right now because nothing's holding me fast. And I mean, I love I I think Seth Rollins is one of the greatest wrestlers to ever be in the ring as far as in ring technician. Mm-hmm. And and Finn Balor is one of my all time favorites. And I really, you know, and Daniel Bryan is enjoyable to watch, and it's art when he's in the ring. And same goes for Adam Cole and those guys. Yeah. I just can't watch it. Yeah, no, like, don't get me wrong. Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, normally I'd be like, all right, yeah, that should be a good match. But I shouldn't have to be watching the build-up and match from when they started it in, like, April or May. It's something that they just have to find ways to improve. I mean, that's the thing. And I mean, obviously, you have to factor in with what's going on in the world right now, sure. But they haven't taken those steps that they need to. And I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer of when that's going to happen. That they just need to focus on internally building storylines, building stars, and doing something with it. I mean, as somebody who covers the show, like you and you know, and Rich do. At some point, you guys just have to feel like we're you're just being negative all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's probably no. I'm I'm, no, I'm asking I'm, a legitimate question. Like, does it come a point where you guys are like on the show and you're talking? And you're like, you know, you take a break. How we kind of shoot the shit in between segments, and you're like, damn, Rich, were we too negative too much? No, I mean, I don't see any positives. No, we, we're very critical about it. In fact, I know that with everything going on with their whole Twitch and cameo nonsense, which has is just another ball you know, of wax. Yeah, that's a whole other issue. Rich has actually turned off from it. He said it publicly on the show that he's not really watching the product. And honestly, I watch it just because it's forced to have it because I'm waiting to see if they find ways to improve. And honestly, I'm more tuned in to watching the indie stuff right now, Yeah, to be honest, that it's something that I just use the WWE as the benchmark because that's the brand that I grew up on. That, okay, is this better than X, Y, or Z? Like, is it better than New Japan right now? No. New Japan's running flawlessly. Is it better than AEW? In my opinion, yes. I think AEW has a lot of work that they haven't even touched upon. That they have a great, talented roster. The in-ring work is super indie, but storyline-wise and production, it's a shit show. Point blank. Ring of Honor is doing some more work, and I know they brought back the Pure title. Yep. So that was that's going to be something to really watch and see what they go with it. And Impact Wrestling has actually been something that people have been sleeping on. Yeah, it's actually not. I've I've caught glimpses, and it's like, all right, this is enjoyable. Yeah, we're actually doing the live reaction video after UFC this weekend okay. on Twitch, twitch.tv slash 6 podcast. Long because, day for you guys. Yeah, it's going to be a long day. <laughs> no way around it. It's going to be a lot of coffee drank that day. But it's something that we as wrestling fans are looking forward to, that it's just there's alternatives that are really stepping up. And for Vince and company – they, Read the room. Your shit sucks. Yeah, they got to do something. Will it happen soon? P.U. Maybe. Yeah, well, in any case, uh, we should mention the card that's coming up this Sunday. Harry, sorry, we got on our tangents there. Go uh, ahead. No, it's fine. Uh, the Hell in a Cell card does take place this Sunday. What, what's it start? Like 7 o'clock? 8 o'clock? 
Check the network. Uh, your you for the Universal Championship match. You have Roman Reigns taking on Jay Uso in a Hell in a Cell I Quit match. It should be noted if I read right, that's the first time this has ever happened in a uh, Hell in a Cell match. Yes, correct. Uh, you have whoops, scroll too far. Uh, for the WWE Championship, you have Drew McIntyre taking on Randy Orton, also in Hell in a Cell. Uh, for the SmackDown Women's Championship, you have Bailey taking on Sasha Banks in Hell in a Cell. You have Jeff Hardy taking on Elias. Uh, and then you have uh, Dominic Mysterio versus Seth Rollins versus Murphy. Uh, and then you have Kevin Owens taking on Alistair Black. I'm sure there will be more matches made up in the coming days before the card actually takes place. They're going heavy with it, but it's nothing we haven't seen before except the I Quit match is the only compelling storyline they have. That one in, in uh, Kevin Owens, Alistair Black should be good. Yeah, that, that should be. That might be a sleeper. They've they've fought before on the show, so this one's got to have some crazy stipulation to it. Mm-hmm. Either way, it's gonna be something to check out Sunday on the WWE Network. But the benchmark has been set. Can you improve on what you've had? We gave you the State of the Union address here on the WWE. We'll be recapping Hell in a Cell and telling you how bad it was, or maybe surprisingly good this week yeah. on next week's show. But definitely hit us in between on ochoduroparlayhour.com. Let us know what you think of the current state of the WWE. I definitely want to interact with our fans about this. So definitely, let's have that conversation. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to take the show home and round those bases. Pad, lead us off. Uh, Starting tonight, as we record, is Game 1 of the World Series taking place in Arlington, Texas, in the brand-new home of the Texas Rangers. Uh, You have the number 1 seed Tampa Bay Rays out of the American League taking on the number 1 seed out of the National League uh, taking on the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, Game 1 is, of course, tonight at 8.09 Eastern on Fox, where you have Tyler Glass now taking on Clayton Kershaw. After that, uh, all games are 8.08 p.m. Uh, game two is on Wednesday, October 21st. Game three, Friday, October 23rd. Game four, Oct- uh, Saturday, October 24th. Uh, and then uh, the next three, if necessary, game five is Sunday, October 25th. Game six, Tuesday, October 27th. Game seven, Wednesday, October 28th. Uh, I will be tuning in. Uh, I, I don't know who I want to win in this. I, I got no dog in the race. I, I kind of want the Rays to win just because my girlfriend likes the Rays. So I promised her if the Rays win the World Series, I'll buy her some gear. Uh, for it. So uh, go race. Uh, in, in terms of the playoffs, though, uh, I saw Rob Manfred gave an interview today, I believe it was with the Associated Press or somebody, where he said he, he liked how the expanded playoffs went and they might bring it back next year. Next year, And I, to which I say, you know what? I agree with that because this year's playoffs were probably some of the most exciting I've seen. A lot of great playoff action, but Pat, you, you, you can't root for Tampa Bay willingly. I understand Liz Bailey is throwing, her, uh, throwing a karma in, so shout out to Liz. Yes. But Dodgers, man. Anybody from the NL. I mean, anybody. I, I don't mind who wins this World Series. Tampa Bay's never won a World Series. The Dodgers haven't won a World Series since like 88 or 89. So either one would be good. Yeah. So I'm taking the Dodgers for this one. Okay. Coach, your base. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Doc Emmerich, uh, famously of the NHL uh, you know, broadcasting team, worked with TSN and uh, ESPN and now famously with um, – with uh, NBC broadcast uh, has retired. Wow, uh, forty-seven years, a long time career in the biz. Uh, did many, many of great games. I mean, was uh, uh, back legend. in my uh, my uh, ninety-four NHL Stanley Cup tape, you know, DVD that I have of the Rangers box set. 
did a lot of those Devils games. Um, so, you know, obviously had his hand in a lot of big moments in NHL history. And, you know, love him or hate him, you know, he was a personality. Uh, I thought he was a lot of fun, you know, when he did games. I guess I don't – I mean, we watch a lot of MSG – you know, being a Rangers fan, so maybe we didn't get to see him in such large doses as some of my NHL friends who were like, thank God, you know, he retired. But, I mean, I guess small doses were better, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, we we just didn't see him that often, uh, being that the Rangers are always on uh, MSG. So, you know, hats off to you for a great career and enjoy retirement. Absolute legend. Absolute legend. So congratulations for your retirement, sir. Now let us go into those locks and leaves. Pad, lead us off. Again, I think you're going to like my lock. Uh, currently sitting at a 13-point favorite. I'm going to circle those wagons. Oh, uh, yes. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills to defeat the New York Jets because who are the Jets? What are the Jets? They're god-fucking-awful. They're hot garbage. They are hot garbage. And for you know, as much as I've seen Josh Allen play, I think he's going to shred those Jets apart. Uh, and then for my leap, I'm looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers and Tennessee Titans game. Currently, Pittsburgh is a two-point favorite, I think, with Derrick Henry absolutely running the ball and running down Pittsburgh's throat. I think there's only so long that Pittsburgh's going to be able to keep that up. Uh, and I think Tennessee's going to be able to pull out a win. I took you with Tennessee, too. Okay. Uh, that's my leap. Coach? Uh, I have also <laughs> the Bills because, oh. I mean, how do you go against that? Uh, I mean, they're good and they're bad. Um, yeah. And my leap is going to be, uh, I'm going to go with the, oh, God, I'm going to do it. The Giants. Uh-oh. Four-point oh, wow. do- four uh -oh. dogs going into Philly. Uh -oh. I really fucking hate Thursday night games, especially the road team. But you know what? There's something in the air right now. This Giants defense is very, very good. Uh you know, better, a lot better than I probably people give him credit for. So I'm going to go with the Giants. Solid pick right there, my friend. Uh, I, as we said, I took the Titans as my lock or my leap rather, but my lock, Cleveland Rocks, show me something against Cincinnati, three and a half favorites. Enough said. Enough said. I'm just going to do a very quick outro because everything you need to find out is on OchoDuroParleyHour.com to continue the conversation after this podcast is aired. So definitely stop on over, swing by, join the conversation on all our social media accounts. You can find every link and so much more on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. And remember, use the hashtag ODPH because that's all I got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night and go Giants. For the one only Padawan J. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Circle those wagons, Bills. we got to get back on track. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.